Hello, one and all, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's August the 3rd of 2022, and we are getting back on the road to whatever the equivalent of Viridian City in Unova is. I don't know city names in that generation, so... I don't either. In um, title. I feel like the best track from that game was like a route, too, as well, like route four or some shit like that that makes sense there, there was i've heard some excerpts of like you know later gen pokemon games and there are some really random ones that have banger tracks so there's some good tracks in it uh, i i yeah. guess we should just really get into pokemon because now i just pokemon. need to talk about uh pokemon black and white which you okay. did not play correct i did not uh we are by the way guys talking about Pokemon Adventures, black and white. Yeah, it's the fifth generation. The generation where Nick stopped playing. So (laughs) everything here is weird and confusing to you. Uh, Not that that weird and confusing. It's like, I mean, like this is still, of course, one of the games where the setup and the mechanics uh, were all still very much, you know, what they had been built up to to this point. Since then, more recent games have really started playing around with stuff because, you know, it started off with like, here's Gigantamax and all the and ultra forms. And then it became like, oh, and you just, you know, play an entirely different game uh, with Arceus. But um, and this one is, yeah, we designed a world that's got all these cool locations and very, you know, cool character designs and stuff. And then we made the game too short. So here's an item to boost your XP because we couldn't figure that out. So that's why uh, I stopped playing. <laughs> excuse me. Gen five is notorious for a lot of things and not being long enough is not one of them. Not being long enough from location to location where you have to grind your party up. Yeah. I was going to say, well, it's also the game that had the highest, like, end cap for where they kind like where the elite four started was like mm-hmm. you had to just like grind like 10 levels out which is crazy all right so to get into it i play black and white i love it i think it's maybe my second favorite or maybe third favorite gen it's kind of tough between that and like gen one uh, but i really really enjoyed black and white primarily because i enjoyed what it did differently i loved going to a gen with no old pokemon in it at all every pokemon was a new pokemon even if they were you know legally distinctly different like here's legally distinct caterpie and legally distinct pidgey and you know. we call it woo bats yeah exactly <laughs> that's the best example <laughs> it's completely different um but there's there's a lot of that stuff so i really like that i thought that having like a real story in a pokemon game was pretty cool like there was an actual interesting narrative going on the gym leaders were actually important characters like it's weird i don't recall because it's just been so long i don't recall what the actual individual gym leaders do but like when i see them i'm like that is a gen 5 gym leader because i remember the their design showing up multiple times where Mm. it's like gems like gens like six through eight Every gym leader is interchangeable to me. Like, I was just like, I don't even remember what this thing is. <laughs> like, sure, yeah, whatever. You're a water type gym leader, I guess. Whatever. Um, I'm not wearing a shirt. That's how you can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's there's a lot of, like, really cool stuff going on. Uh, but there was, like, this weird issue at the end of Gen uh, 5 where 
you would get introduced to a couple Pokemon, and then the Elite Four happened, and all of that seemed to happen like as though there was like ten levels of additional content planned, because you could catch Bravery and Volibee there, or uh, their Evolve or Rufflet and whatever the other version is, the Vulture Pokemon. You could catch them. But they didn't evolve until like level 56 or some crazy horse shit like that. It was really high up there. So you had to like just grind to get them up there. And then you could catch Dino in the in the victory road. And you're like, cool, I can't wait to evolve this super awesome fucking Pokemon. And I think like Dino itself doesn't evolve until like, <sighs> oh God, I have to like remember this. It's like level 50 or something and then it doesn't evolve to Hydreigon until like 65 or some shit like that it's something like way out there where you're just like I'm sorry how long do I have to fucking raise this motherfucker before it becomes something cool it's brutal level 64 yeah it's too much I mean I at least in my mind I was worried I was like god you didn't have to go into like the 70s for it did you but it was like it did feel like really far off to actually get it up that high it has its heads. It has mouths in its hands. Yeah, it's got the whole world in its hands. Rawr. Good stuff. Um, anyways, good stuff there. But we're talking about the Pokemon Adventures manga based yes. off this franchise. And it's interesting because every Pokemon gen has had it to this point, even spin-off gens, like you know, not spin-off, but like sequel gen sort of the stuff. And they've always kind of had to operate in a world where there's, like, vaguely a plot line. Like, we have to stop Team Magma before they pull the wind or water. I feel uh, uh, what was their stupid plan yeah. again? <laughs> we have to stop Archie is what we're, what we're getting now. We got we got Or Maxi. I don't One of the two. We got to stop them. Uh, whereas this gen, there's actually, like, a full-on story with Anne. And Gestus being the one controlling and secretly behind the scenes, and T Plasma wanting to liberate Pokemon. And it's it's interesting seeing like the story of the Pokemon manga have to adapt to that, but also still be like, alright, but I'm still gonna tell my own wild shit. But then sure. also be like, I have to tie in all the game stuff. And this yes. is another one of this generation where there's so many fucking legendaries. Like, yeah. you can see the manga scrambling to just fucking cram them all in. Like, uh, I don't know, Genie showed up too. And also, the, the three Musketeer Pokemon are also here. And uh, don't forget Genesect. Genesect also is a thing. Like, fuck, man. <laughs> so many of these goddamn legendaries is Jen. Meloota! Meloota gets their own chapter. Don't forget that. And, uh, wait, that, she was, Meliata's a legendary? Yeah, or mythic, I think, technically. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just thought that was a cute little side story thing. <laughs> yeah, Meloetta was a legendary, uh, legendary at least, Pokemon. I think they were okay. mythic. I thought it was a nice little story, but yeah. all right. <laughs> um, the story of black and white in the manga is, of course, you know, we're following a Pokedex holder uh, named Black. And uh, at the start of the story, White is not a dex holder, but she gets one later. Instead, the other there are two other dex holders, which are Bianca and Sharon, which, of course, if, you, if you've played Black and White, you're familiar with them. They're your two friends slash pseudo rivals through the game. Um, and Black is, I would say to someone unfamiliar with other than like early Pokemon, Black is like reminds me the most of ash 
from the anime out of any of the protagonists we've had so far, even more so than Red, uh, who is, you know, just a different version of the same character. Because Black's whole thing is like, oh, he's always dreamed about being uh, the the champion of the Pokemon League. Uh, He will just at different intervals, just get up on a hilltop and just shout that he's going to win the Pokemon League. And it's just this big thing that annoys everyone around him. Uh, And one of the first things that happens to him on his journey is that he gets indebted to his female traveling companion because he breaks some stuff. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, and, uh, white has, is, has a very different for a protagonist in this series, uh, starting point. She is the president of a Pokemon talent agency. It's, it's, it's a cute and kind of fun little idea, uh, which is that, Hey, in this world of Pokemon, Pokemon are used in advertising and entertainment and stuff. Uh, so obviously someone needs to be an agent for them and be and yeah. represent them and stuff. And so this, that's what she does. And this is a region based on America. So of right. course, you know, entertainment, uh, that's our main export. It It's a big one. Definitely. Uh, it, so, you know, it's, it's a Unless way of doing entertainment is the Batgirl movie, in which case that, in is, which not, case. that is not being exported. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is being the opposite of exported. Just can't get any like female superheroes projects going as as power of girls is on what the third rewrite now or something like that. I forgot about that. (laughs) Of course. Um, so, you know, black, while he's starting off his journey, he breaks some like equipment for some project that she's working on. And so she gets mad and is like, you, you're going to have to you know do something to pay me back. It turns out that he has a pokeboo as his starter and she just so happens to have agreed to do a shoot for this agency that needs a male and female Pokeboo. And to be very clear. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You're good. <laughs> I actually started off Gen 5 uh, with Japanese names, so I actually do get those mixed up a bit. Oh, no, you're uh, good. I, I just want uh, to be clear. Po- and uh, it was Mijumaru was Oshawat. Mm-hmm. And oh god, Snivy had a really weird name, but I can't remember at this at this point. Anyway, uh, anywho, so she she's like, okay, you've got it, you've got a tepeg. I'll agree to erase some of your debt if you you know have it be part of this scene. And so they start working together. And at start at first, it's like, well, I guess I kind of have to do it because I'm a good guy and I'm not going to run off on this debt. But then they become good friends, and they become good friends pretty quickly. It's yeah. actually very sweet. They, um, they have, I think, actually a pretty endearing relationship because it does go through like peaks and valleys. Like they do start off as like uh, you're here because you messed up. But instead of making it like this weird contentious thing, you're actually OK working with me. And I actually then operate as a respectful boss and things like that. And yeah, you know, they have like conflicts and things like that. But they do eventually have these moments of like oh they these people do care about the fact that they are trying to essentially support each other's dream and this is a very important thing in the world of the pokemon adventures manga you know everyone needs to support each other's dream that's a big thing 
uh, in this particular series uh, is, you know, people have dreams and stuff, which I guess also fits, you know, Unova is the U is the U S kind of thing, because that's sort of the big thing that the United States likes to purport itself to be is the place where dreams can come true. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it is really nice to see them bounce off of each other because they're both trying to accomplish their own things, but when their goals come into conflict, they very quickly work stuff out. It's one of the things that, um, I believe that it was, it was kind of a point that, uh, got brought up was that the protagonists of black and white are a bit older than the protagonists of the other generation games. So I guess it kind of makes sense that they, you know, can take a more mature approach to these kinds of issues. Because, uh, you know, Black's trying to do his Pokemon journey and stuff. And there is a point, like, for example, where his Tepig is going to evolve and White thinks, oh, no, if that happens, then we won't be able to have our, you know, cute boy and girl Tepig uh, act to sell to different people. So she actually is like, like don't, don't, don't let him, don't let him evolve and stuff. But you know, stuff happens and, uh, you know, he's got to win this important gym battle and Tepig evolves into pig Knight. Uh, and which is, of course, it's no longer this cute little fire piglet. It's this big rotund now part fighting Pokemon. And white just immediately rolls with it. And it's like, OK, yeah, yeah, we'll just do we'll just have a different image for the two of them. It'll be, you know, the cute little Tepig uh, girlfriend and the and the cool, t- cool, strong guy boyfriend uh, pig. Knight. And then, then we'll just do it. And the longer that they go on, the more that they support each other in what they're trying to do. And Blackline makes this big promise like, well, I'm still going to go on my Pokemon journey. I'm still going to conquer the Pokemon League, but I'll wear like your logo uh, for your company when I'm in the finals. And so that'll help you to accomplish your dream. And it's very nice. Uh, And that's like the first third of the black and white storyline. And then white doesn't do much more beyond that. It's 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 an interesting pacing because the series goes for a, a decent enough chunk uh, of them working together, going off on small adventures that we, I guess, haven't mentioned the main gimmick of Black is that Black is a dreamer. Their dream of winning the Pokemon League is so intense that he's often paralyzed by dreaming of it so much. So he has... Um, I forget the name of it, Mushran or whatever, the Dream Eater Pokemon. Muna and then Musharna. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and his Muna will literally eat his dream of going to the Pokemon League so that he can, like, think clearly, in which case he goes into, like, a hexagonal, like, detective mode to figure out what Pokemon is mysteriously fucking with him. It's, like, almost like a JoJo series at points. It's a very shonen sequence, you know, like because like the thing gets on his head and he recites the same thing every time. Uh, it was like, oh, the blacks become white or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then he zooms in. And he's like, I see it. I see what's going on here. And he'll solve the puzzle. You know, so it's so that's how the series operates for like the first like. Like, I'd say third of it. And then we start introducing N into the plot line and N just fucks everything up like in a good way. N's like, hey, I'm going to fuck with your worldview and I fuck with your status quo because I, I like he has a confrontation with white on a Ferris wheel. And he's just like, 
you don't you don't actually know what your Tepig wants. Like yeah. Tepig has seen other like Pokemon fight and wants to, and you're forcing her to be in in competitions and acting things. And it's an important note that at the start of the series, White is not a Pokemon trainer yes. at all. She does not participate in Pokemon battles. She is purely a talent agent, a manager, and she keeps her Pokemon out of battles because she doesn't want them getting hurt because they're the talent. And they're not even her Pokemon uh, for, to, for that point. She doesn't have Pokemon of her own. She's just like, these are my company's Pokemon and I'm taking care of them. Yeah. So it's this moment of N being like, you don't even understand. So she's like, I, I don't I need to get away from this guy. This guy's dangerous. So she literally leaps out of the fucking Ferris wheel, which is a metal move. Yeah. And she's like, Tepig, hurry. And Tepig's like, no. And just joins up with N. And you're like, what? That's pretty crazy. And like, you get some interesting stuff. Cause like a fallout to that. And then they're like, oh, wait, the battle subway was a mechanic. So... We Go take care of that, White. <laughs> and White has, like, apparently an incredible off-screen fucking, like, training arc. You don't get to, you get to see, like, the start of it and the very end of it, where she doesn't win in either of them. No. And then after that, she just kind of, I don't want to say she's just there, but Black takes a central role as the protagonist. It turns out he is, not. I should say turns out, he takes on the role of the legendary hero of truth. It's this very big thing. We pressure him. The one of the key legendary Pokemon respects him. Like this is this is an important character in the plot. His his truth, quote unquote, is literally what has to be there to fight the ideals of N for the 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 life of this nation as a whole. And White is like, oh, I think she I think she works for like the FBI or something briefly. <laughs> something Kinda like, <laughs> like sort of sort of by accident, like. She just kind of ends up being present throughout it, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, it seems like there was something they could have done that would have been a little bit cooler with her in that story as it is. Um, but that's that's ultimately what happens to her. Yeah. Uh, Black is definitely like the core focus of this series. Uh, probably the one that gets the greatest share of the focus of any, you know, like dual protagonist uh, storyline that there has been in this series to this point. Cause like, I guess red got more focus in the red and green uh, part of, uh, of, of the story. But like that was different because it started off with just him as the protagonist and then blue was his rival. And then green comes in later, uh, or depending on how you think of their names between versions, whatever. So, uh, but then after that, it's like, okay, yeah, well, like gold and silver and crystal kind of share it. Ruby and Sapphire split pretty evenly. And then it's split fairly evenly between diamond and pearl and platinum. This one is like, well, here's black and white and they're journeying together and doing stuff and they've got their own different goals. Anyway, white's going over there while black does all the cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of cool things are going to be going on over here. He's the child of destiny. He's the one who's been entrusted with Reshiram. He's the one who's got to grow as a person. He's the one that all the gym leaders see some great potential in and they realize like he's the one who can do it and some of them have doubts about him skyla shoots him out of a cannon because she's like i don't know the way he rang that bell it wasn't very good but now that i fought him i believe that maybe he could be good so let's get in the plane together and go and fight team plasma yeah black <laughs> 
It's, How um, you doing, White? Well, these twins are being weird. Uh, <laughs> my Pokemon are slightly better, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't want to completely take everything away. I think White has some fun little character chapters. She has an interesting personality. As I said, they didn't make her, like, obnoxious. And they do give her some closure. And there is some expansion a little bit when you get to Black 2 and White 2, which there's some fun details about that I want to talk to you about once we get there. Because I... I kind of zapped through it like i didn't have the chance to read the entire thing but i i, I did some some slip pickings but there's a couple little notes i want to tickle you with uh i could have picked a better verb there but that's what i went with um but as for this series um i thought it did an interesting job of trying to adapt the the black and white storyline keeping the essential beats to it and still kind of putting its own stamp on it like it really made Bryson a pretty fucking important character, the ice gym mm-hmm. leader, because you're like, I guess I, I do remember he was an important-ish character in that. But this one, he's like half secret agent, half like the Superhero. last hero. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, he, he's really like the last hope for the Unova gym leaders at a certain point. You're like, all right, this, this is kind of interesting. Like, sure. There's a, there's a really funny double subversion that happens with him because... Like uh, Black joins up with a bunch of the gym leaders and they have this fight with uh, Team Plasma and it doesn't go well for them. And like all the gym leaders get captured and Black doesn't get captured because they're like, he's just some kid, essentially. But then uh, as Black recovers, uh, Bryson comes to him and is like, oh, I escaped. Uh, so we've got to go and and unlock the doohickey so that we can uh, recover the thing. And so Black's like, oh, yeah, good, because I saw this riddle. So here we go. Here's the secret compartment for where it is. And then Bryson knocks him out because he's not really Bryson. He's a team plasma member in disguise. But then it turns out that the real Bryson did actually escape. <laughs> and he comes over to Black while he's unconscious. And Black wakes up. It's like, you're not. <laughs> it's, it's a wild trip. It's... There's an entire sequence there where you're just like. I'm sorry, so is this dude evil or not? You're just like, oh, you have to be following along. All the clues. Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues. <laughs> for, the ice, for the ice user, yeah. yeah. Um, it's good, though. And I, I, I enjoy some, like, small moments of, like, philosophy that get, like, brought up into the manga and things like that. I said, like, ideals versus truth is, like, the major conflict. I don't know if that's necessarily 100% really executed to its its mm. full potential. Um. But there was a moment that, like, hit me kind of hard where, like, things are looking pretty bad and there's, I forget, the seven sages or some shit like that. And they're like, well, we got to stop them. And, like, a bunch of random, like, trainers they fought throughout the course of the series. Like, we're going to stand our ground here. Like, Like the the first trainer that Black fought on his journey who was just a just that uh, who was just a total pushover because he couldn't uh he always got nervous when someone attacked him with fire a janitor that was nice to black one time some cook that had some helpful advice just all these just random people that you would show up once and you just kind of like right off in your head it's like okay they're gone they're never coming back and then they come in for the final battle <laughs> to it's help out. so awesome and they have this small moment where they talk about how like yeah, we might have kind of all had to individually give up our dreams in the sake of being, quote unquote, adults. We had to grow up and kind of leave our dreams behind. But we've realized now those dreams are still possible with the potential of Pokemon. And there's like 
such a ridiculousness to that, but something so earnestly sweet about that sentiment of like almost this intangible magical force that is Pokemon in this world to be like, hey, maybe I never will crack and beat all the gym leaders and go on to the Pokemon League like Hiker Andy wants. But he's like, but as long as I still have my Pokemon, this dream still keeps going. Like, I don't yeah. know, something very sweet to that sentiment. And you're like, I didn't expect this in a fucking Pokemon adventure manga. Like, this came out of nowhere. Those seven random people do more to help out than the Elite Four do, basically. They're, they're fighting the genies, Nick. What are they supposed uh, Off screen, off yeah. screen. <laughs> Look, that guy in the mask, he took it off and he was someone. Yeah. So he was important. He's important in black, black two and white two. <laughs> Which is unfortunately how a good chunk of this manga ends. It, yeah, uh, you did not. You did not yeah. read Black White or Black Two, White Two. Nope. Um. So, what was your impression when you get to the end? You're like, well, I guess Black's just dead. Well, I guess that'll be covered in Black Two and White Two. <laughs> that was my reaction. <laughs> it was of all of the series that we, all of the chapters, I guess, of adventure that we have covered, this was definitely the moment that felt like it left on the most open note. Cause obviously like, um, like Emerald, uh, f- comes directly out of fire red and leaf green, but there is some stuff that feels like it gets resolved there. Uh, even so. Um, and there are other things like, okay, well clearly this like, this one legendary Pokemon showed up very briefly and they'll show up again in the next part of this generation, I'm sure. And there is some of that that happens with the four musketeer legendaries, um, Keldeo and the other sword guys. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, that, that'll, I'm sure that's setting up for a future generation. That's about par for the course for when legendaries that aren't the main focus of the storyline show up in it. But yeah, the bit where it's like, okay, well, it seems like everything's solved, except that Black's been imprisoned in the white sphere. Like, oh, okay. I guess. Yeah, Red Reshiram <laughs> turns into the light stone again, and Gestus, as his last act of revolution, pushes him into the fucking the stone. He's like, I'll be trapped in a stone forever, but White, I always believed in you. And you, you just finished the manga, and you're like, done and There done. we go. <laughs> It makes me feel a little bit heartless when I th- when you put it that way, I guess. Um, no, you did great. Eerie uh, Gray in chat is asking uh, how Bianca and Charon are handled in the manga. And I will say that Bianca is kind of there. Um, she gets like some small side chapter stuff, but not a ton. Charon, on the other hand, is irrelevant for most of the manga and then has like a pretty significant role towards the end where he becomes like this weirdly cold and heartless Pokemon battler because he's kind of been brainwashed by and uh, our team plasma, I should say. And they actually do some interesting stuff with yes. Um The, uh, I will say to kind of start winding the conversation down a little bit, because we do have a lot of manga to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like, I did really enjoy reading this, uh, this chapter. Uh, I think that it is flawed. We have gone over that. But at the same time, there are so many moments throughout this story where even though I think that from note to note, I think it's a bit jumbled. It definitely seems like uh, maybe they didn't know that they were going to have to end it where they did. And so they're like, OK, well, I have to do a black two and white two 
So I better save some of this stuff and put it further forward. And then because of that, some of the some things don't get resolved in the order that they were supposed to be. Maybe that has to do with it. I don't know. But it's not necessarily completely coherent. But there are some parts of it that resonate incredibly strongly. All of the stuff that, you know, you talked about in terms of like the conflict between the truth and the ideal, you know, what is reality? What is versus what is your dream? What can be Uh, the way that that's handled is incredibly poetic uh, and schmaltzy and wonderful. Um, The big thing that happens in Black's development is, you know, people are pointing out like, you know, you're always shouting about like your dreams and stuff and you're always running around without thinking about the consequences. You're putting your dream ahead of everybody else's truth. And then he's the one who becomes the truth. You know, he becomes, what you know, the sake of what is. But in the journey of doing that, people are pointing out like, OK, you, this is like your big personality flaw. This is what you're not thinking about. Uh, despite the fact that, you know, like you're so dedicated to figuring things out ahead of time and stuff. You aren't you still focusing on the right things. And he has this moment where N just cuts him down completely. The way that N is handled throughout this story is incredibly effective because he's this vacant eyed young dude who is just so sad at the state of the world, who sees people with Pokemon and their captivity and he thinks that all of them are slaves who need to be set free and whenever anyone points out to him like you're wrong like I mean maybe there are some Pokemon who feel that way but my Pokemon don't and he's like well I can hear Pokemon voices and you're not listening to your Pokemon and it makes me incredibly sad that you know this is the way things are and that's why Team Plasma has to set everyone's Pokemon free is because people like you don't listen, essentially. And he gets to Black and they have their big first battle and Black gets his ass kicked uh, by some what feel like what seem like our much weaker Pokemon, including White Tepig, uh, who destroys him. <laughs> um, and he is just says like, have you ever like actually, you know, tried to understand your Pokemon because you were never actually really friends and like blacks in a desperate situation and he tries to have his Muna eat his dreams so he can focus and come up with a winning strategy and Muna runs away instead. And then says, you were never really friends. You just had a friendship of convenience. And now that's why it's abandoning you. And Black's just completely and utterly defeated. And he wakes up, you know, he blacks out. He whites out like in the games, essentially. He wakes up in the hospital later and people are worried about him and stuff. And he feels like he's got it. He's like, I've, you know, gone against my Pokemon. I don't deserve to, to even be a trainer, let alone want to be the champion. But it's his own Pokemon who pick him up because they're there and they still believe in him. They believe in his dream. And when he realizes that, he realizes he's done them a disservice by getting drawn away like this. And it's this huge emotional moment between just him and a fire pig sumo wrestler and a giant electric spider. It's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I love Galvantula. It's so it's so crazy. Um, It's some good stuff. I I, I gotta say, I do dig it. Um, 
I, I guess I'll say in a nutshell before I, I'll move very quickly on to what I experienced in, in Black White or Black 2, White 2, which is not a lot, to be very clear. Mm. I, I, I would say that I, I like this. Um, I think that this is an enjoyable series, um, but it is also occupying the weird space of the Pokemon adventures for the part of Pokemon that already has a pretty decent story to it. So, mm-hmm. like... I would say if you're because I again I really like Anova. Um I don't know if this is the part I would most highly recommend, not because it's like a quality against it, but I would say like I don't know, man. I just you could just play the game and get a very similar story for the most part. Um, so I I might just almost recommend that. But uh, you know, if you don't want to play the game and you want to experience at least some aspect of the story, I think this is a good way to go. By the way. Uh, when they do the Pokemon League tournament towards the end and they're trying to suss out who the traitor is, I just kept on looking at that kid in the dinosaur <laughs> overall pants. I was like, no one would really wear those. No. I don't trust him. <laughs> you must have spider legs or something like that. You're hiding them in that those those big like uh, costume pants or whatever. And it turns out the suspicious people really were the suspicious yeah, people. It turns out Madam Evil and Masked Person Man were, were the bad guys all along. Looker was right. What the fuck? That's that's horseshit. Um, uh, so just real quick on um, Black 2, White 2. I did not read through the whole thing. I basically skimmed it kind of real quick uh, because I was running out of time. Um it is essentially a continuation and it answers a lot of those things. Hey, it turns out Black isn't dead forever. He gets to jump back. What? It also handles, I guess, portions of the story of Black 2, White 2, which I never played, unfortunately. It's like the only main uh-huh. Pokemon game I never touched. Um, so it handles a couple things there. Um, also, we didn't even mention how uh, Chili, Cress, and Salon are actually given more to do in the manga than they are in the the video game. In the video game, they're the only gym leaders who don't do shit because their gimmick was dumb. Because they, they were triplets, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, here they get to do something. I don't know what. They they beat up, like, the Dark Triad or some shit. I, I don't even remember where those characters showed up, and they do that. Um, it's an awesome sequence because then the four musketeers show up and save the day and stuff, and they, and they legitimately looked really cool in it. And I was like, oh, these guys are awesome. <laughs> I'll bet that they suck in the games. Yeah. Uh, but we are introduced to our new, uh, our, our three new protagonists, I should say. Two main characters, you know, the player characters, and there was a rival, a new rival in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, uh, based off the logic, what do you believe the character names of the two new protagonists are? I actually did bother to look them up uh, like uh, so I so but I knew this part ahead of time. So I, I looked them up and they're they're Blake and Whitley. It was like, all right. But in the original Japanese, I knew this because I was curious about it uh, way back when the, the you know, that this part of the story was coming out. In Japanese, they're called Black Two and White Two. Yeah, yeah they are hundred percent just Black Two, White Two, basically, which is fucking awesome. Like Black Two, come back here. White Two, watch out. It's it's fucking funny. You gotta stretch yourself. So you gotta commit to the bit sometimes. Yeah. Um, Apparently, the protagonists of X and Y are just called X and Y. Sure, go for it, man. I- I'm excited for I'm excited for that when we get to it. Um, the premise basically being that White 2 is like a former member of Team Plasma who kind of left and is kind of trying to find N 
all around. And then uh, Black 2 turns out to be a secret agent working for Looker. <laughs> okay. Like, so they're part of whatever, I forget the foundation. So it's kind of interesting. You have this scenario of like these two characters working together where one of them is part of the group that the other one is trying to to hunt down. Or right. It's, there, there's an interesting dynamic going on there. And then the rival character just hates all Team Plasma people, so they're hunting them down. Um, it's decent. It's only like 30 chapters. Okay, so they're silver. All right. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there are only like 30 uh, chapters to it. It's a pretty short little bit, uh, 35 chapters or so. So it's not too terribly long. Unfortunately, as I said, I didn't get the chance to like read it too in depth. So I don't know if that was like a place where they really salvage White's character or not. She is in it. Uh, I do know that. Um, but I also mm-hmm. know that these parts usually tend to put more focus on the new protagonist. So I imagine even if she does have a lot to do, it's probably in a, lo- uh, a backseat to Black 2 and White 2. Which are the best names? Hmm. <laughs> it's the best. And on that note, when they because they introduced to like we got a new student here. What's your name? White two. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, fuck you. What? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess to give an overall summary, uh, fun but uh, kind of flawed, and I guess that we can chalk up maybe that to it adapting a story that was already pretty completely told. So I guess next time when we have Team Flair to deal with, maybe... <laughs> I can't even remember what team... I think they just wanted money or something. I don't even fucking remember. Maybe it'll be crazy interesting to I, read that manga instead. <laughs> I do remember a plot line in Kalos being like, there was like pokemon a billion years ago and like a giant found a fairy or some shit it was dumb it was just really dumb so look forward to that everyone yeah look forward all right that's gonna do it let's move on to weekly manga this reap week (laughs) this reap this weep (laughs) all right Let's uh, kick things off with My Hero Academia. It's number 361, Abnormal Happenings. Last time, Mirio said that Chigaraki didn't have any friends. It was very hurtful. It's it's great. And his fucking comeback, he's like, I had a lot of friends. You suck. Everyone knows you suck. I have friends. (laughs) Essentially, yes. Uh, Because this comment by Mirio uh, seemingly awakens the young Shimura that is inside of the weird mind collective that is Shigaraki right now. Uh, And he starts shouting about how it's like, I have friends, fuck you. And Mirio clearly is shaken by this because he's like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. (laughs) I don't know. I'm sorry. And, uh, um, he, of course, gets lashed out at by Shigaraki. He starts analyzing the situation and he realizes, well, this guy's body is evolving too much. His core is too strong for me to direct energy waves into this manga is crazy. Um, so this is really bad. Uh, I don't know how, we're, how what I can do to actually hurt this guy. The all for one inside Shigaraki's mind. God, sorry to keep track of. Uh, realizes that there is some sort of fissure in the mind still, some part that he still has not completely fused with to completely take over the perfected body that he has crafted, blah, 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 blah. And he realizes that it is neither Tamura nor All for One. It's Shimura. And we get a visual of the, of the young 
uh, Shimuro inside of the of this, and there's hands crawling all over him like they do with Shigaraki, uh, and he's looking sad because he's a little kid in a desperate situation inside this mind palace. Uh, so one for all, Shigaraki, all for one rather, Shigaraki concludes that dragging out the confrontation is not a good idea. Uh, so um, he starts to retreat uh, and heads instead towards Bakugo and Best Genist. Uh, and he's like, well, you can't really hurt me, so I'm just going to ignore you to, to Mirio. Uh, and Mirio's like, I mean, look, I can get in close to his body and buy time, but I can't actually attack him. Instead, I'm going to buy that time for you, Tamaki, saying this to Sun Eater. Uh, Genius gets some big old cables and he's like, I'm going to get you. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's what all battle cries are going to be in this series from now on. I'm going to get you. Yeah, I want to take you down. You big raw toughie. Yeah. Uh, so he tries to hold off Shigaraki and Nejire also is firing her lance bolts at him and they're just not connecting. And Shigaraki, you know, comments on the big arena that they've built for themselves to fight him. And he says that they've instead constructed a tomb for themselves. Uh, and he starts launching finger limb things up at Nejire. I think she's dodging between them in the next shot we see. And then we get a flashback. Then it indicates, no, Nedjure has more to her character. We promise. I look at this backstory. The second they start giving her a backstory, I was like, if I turn the page and Shigaraki has punched out her heart or something like that, I may scream. Like, just like, ah, ah, and just stop <laughs> reading them all together. <laughs> I thought it might happen too, because I was like, this will be like the fourth or fifth one that this happened with that. But uh yeah, because we start to see like, oh, Nedre used to be this really stuck up person who would look down on everyone, but despite that, Togata and Mirio approached her anyway, and they were really nice to her. And because of that, they kind of drew out the real kind person that she was, and she's like, and I'm stronger now because of that. Uh and um, then she kind of passes the baton because she was just helping Mirio to buy a bit of time for Sun Eater to finish eating everything. And we get this two page spread of a thing coming out of Togata's this arm is so incomprehensible. Like, this is a cool moment. That I cannot tell a single fucking thing that's happened. I thought he was. I think now I could read it. And I'm like, oh, he's not actually punching all for one, Shigaraki at all. He's just making his arm look like that or something. Like I, I have zero idea what's happening. I also thought I was like, oh, he must have eaten. He eat. He ate some of Nejere's energy. But now I'm I think like, that it, that he might have. Yeah, actually. I'm like that seems to be the implication, but I don't know where you actually see that happening. It's very no. difficult to parse what's happening. It also just looks like maybe the energy spiraling around. It's 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 wild. It's it's so wild. So he has eaten all of these things, including various insects and fruits and nuts. I think a uh, there's like a, he, he a, a turtle, a sea urchin, uh, and a tarantula. Combine it all with Nedjure's energy, 
And as his friends are watching this, they observe like, yeah, uh, you have basically no limits if you can just eat more things because they just all combine together. Uh, they say that he is an X level mutant. Basically, Omega his ability has no mutant. upper Omega level mutant. Sorry. Sorry. Because his quirk has no upper cap. He just yeah. keeps on eating things and combines more powers together. He would absolutely be an Omega level mutant with that power. Because you're like, well, could I just cut off a little piece of Xavier or a little piece of Magneto and you could just eat the both of them and then have both of their powers? But Ma- Magneto yeah. is an Omega level mutant. However, Charles Xavier is not. Yeah, that's right. So poser. they're putting uh, some uh, faith in, in Sun Eater to deal a big decisive blow. We'll see how that works out. <laughs> Good luck with that, guys. Um, This is an odd chapter. It's not a bad chapter. It's almost kind of fun in its own ways. I do think it's rather obnoxious that it's like, I'd almost have rather gotten nothing for Nezure than just like a, a, like a two-page flashback that's like, here's why she's also important to this trio, guys. And you're just like, I don't know, Horikoshi. Like, if you don't like, I don't know. I, I don't want to insinuate that he doesn't like women, but I'm just like, if he didn't give enough of a shit about this character, do anything with her to this point, I don't care now. Especially when her backstory is like, she didn't have friends. She does now. <laughs> the end. You're just like, I don't know, man. Like, you couldn't have done something more interesting with it. Two page backstory. It's like the seeds of this character have been planted throughout it. Like, what in her backstory has ever led us to believe, like, oh, at one point in time, she was a cold, uh, icy person who people could never connect to. And now she's she's spontaneous and free. Yeah, it's a bit of a different case from, like, Lady Nagant or uh, Star and Stripe, where it's like, well, this character just showed up. So I've got to give you the backstory right now to, in a really short form to make you care in any way about it. It's like... How long's been how's Nedra been around since like God it's, it's gotta be years. at least twenty twenty, maybe even twenty nineteen. It's much longer than that, oh, I think. God. <laughs> Cause she showed up at the same time as Mirio. Yeah, that's true, the overall arc. So Yeah, that's... it's 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 something where you're just like oh, I'd almost rather nothing. <laughs> Yeah, when the most consequential thing that she has done to this point is being present during the raid on the uh, uh, the criminal uh, group. Hashi oh, oh. She, she Hasekai, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, she looked pretty during the school festival arc, and so she won a thing. That was the two things she got to do. And it's like, well, she got her hair burned off. It's like, All right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, that's there. Sunday looks cool. I do kind of like this cool moment for Sunday. You're like, I'm gonna eat fucking everything. Super. It's kind of cool, and it does make his name seem like this is a man who could eat the sun. Like it is kind sure. of a cool premise. Uh, it's just so fucking like, and this is just a Horikoshi's art thing. It's never gonna change. Sometimes you're just like, I assume what's happening is cool. I'll wait for, I guess, the anime to animate it. <laughs> see if I can understand it then. <laughs> All right, let's move over to Undead Unluck. Undead Unluck, number 121, Unfair. So as we follow up from last time, uh, Billy has taken the powers of Ruin because he's like, hey, you hate me. So my Unfair allows me to copy he your He hate Billy. me. Yeah, he hate me. Uh, and... 
Sucks to suck, but I don't mind if someone who's like a complete scumbag hates me. So yoink. I don't mind that he hate me because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone understands. This. Yeah. <laughs> you may hate me, but I love you. Um he goes, does a whole bunch of uh stuff of like, you know, Rune's trying to cut him up and do things like that. And Billy's just like, hey, look, I'll handle him. You guys head down to the arc. Uh, he's using unmoved to basically block them and, and various different things. Uh, and he's just like, and he just says, sorry, I ended up liking you. And Billy doesn't say anything. So they're like, oh, let's go. But Fuka's a little bit hesitant. But then Tatiana pipes in and she's like, I'll go too. Because I'm not letting this creep anywhere near Fuko. I'm going to make sure she gets the arc and loops. And her and, battle mech thing yeah, punches it has, its fists together. Yeah, she it, looks has, cool. it has like arms and legs now, which I guess it always has. It's always had I, those. I forget yeah. that it does yeah. it. I always just think it's like an orb that floats the air. And of course, uh, Fuko's like, no, that would mean you would stay. Like she she knows what's going to happen if, if yeah. Tatiana stays behind. And like a little thing like suddenly comes at her and stops this little orb with the pinky extended. And she says... I know you're about to say something about how if I die, that all my efforts till now will go down the drain, yada, yada. But that's, she doesn't say yada, yada. I'm not trying to dismiss her. She <laughs> her actually speech. says yada, yada. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she says, but that's exactly why I need to get you to the last loop. Don't worry. Even if my body changes or I don't retain my memories, I'm still me. So just find me and be my friend all over again. And Pinky swear, because that's how you guys make a promise in your country. If you tell a lie, you get a thousand needles in the eye, right? So Fuko and, and Tatiana exchange this, this pinky promise. And Fuko says, okay, I promise. Let's get going. They open the and gate. And Tatiana in her orb is crying and she's got her pinky extended. And it's so sad. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> um, so they got their emblems. They're like, all right, we're going down. Open the gate. They go through. Uh, Ruin tries to go after them. Uh, Billy and Tatiana stop him. And immediately Billy is like, hey, I'm sorry for the things I've done. And Tatiana's like, what, for calling me untouchable? For saying you wanted my ability? For saying that you were not telling me you'd betray us? And all of them are like, stab, stab, stab. He's like, okay, so I apologize for all that too. But I wanted to make you happy. And all I've managed to do was make you cry. Maybe it would have been better if in the future we had never met in the first place. And she cuts him off. She's like, no, I only made it this far because you showed kindness to me, Billy. Your kindness was always genuine, right? And right now I'm as happy as could be because I'm with you and Fuko, two people I love very much. Andy, eh, could take him or leave him. <laughs> I found a friend and a family member who allowed me this chance to do so. It's the best. So if you really want to make it up to me, since you can't die because you're copying on Ruin right now, you can stay side by side until I die. <laughs> After all, I cried a whole lot while you were gone. If you didn't do at least that much, it would be unfair, right? And it's like fucking a dagger just stabbed into my heart. And I love the 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 turn back of like, hey, here's your stupid word being thrown back at you. Isn't that right, jerk face? <laughs> uh, Billy just laughs and says, you're right. I guess I should take a page out of their book. And then Andy and Fuko go down the hole. They arrive at the uh, the round table. And Juez just says, this takes me back. It reminds me of the first time you two came here. It's time to make a choice. 
undead and on luck. Yeah, she's seeming really ominous in this last picture, isn't she? Like, uh, well, it makes sense. She's been the one who's always taken the arc because she's been the only person she ever felt comfortable with making that decision. And this is a time where she knows she can't be the one to make that call. She is going to die in this loop. Everything she knows is going to die with her essentially here. Yeah. Um, I should also know, I guess, before we move on or anything like that, um, Undead Unlock had a recent announcement where there's like an alternate, like an AR game that's going on where you find clues for the next four weeks. Anyway, the suspected thing at the end of this is it probably is going to be an anime. It's not confirmed yet. It seems heavily implied. So maybe Undead Unlock is getting an anime. Adding further uh, fire into the how successful is this series right now? No one really knows, uh, Pile. Well, I guess we'll just wait to find out on that. Uh, this was a good chapter. Um, it I, it also punched me right in the heart to see the interaction between Fuko and Tatiana, knowing that this is probably going to be the last time that the two of them see each other. Uh, and any version of Tatiana sees in the future is going to be uh, slightly a different Tatiana. Um, but, uh, yeah, and... Uh, seems like she's going to die. Um yeah so yeah it's a i mean this is the real i i'm I'm glad at least that i assume we're not gonna have to watch it like we haven't had to watch like we didn't specifically have to watch rip die well i guess we did Mm -hmm. but we didn't have to like dwell in it too long and you don't have to super dwell in like uh nico and i'm really glad we don't just have to watch like i'm hoping or if we do, like, let it be, like, a panel or something like that where we don't have to watch, like, Ruin, like, punch a hole through her or some shit like that. Or, I, I don't know, like, you can just know, like, hey, things go bad in this timeline because that is the way it's destined to end. But the hope is the new timeline. But I don't want to have to really sit through the misery of watching all these characters I really love die. Like, I don't I don't want to watch Top, like, have to be like, oh, my legs, they're turning to sand and I'm going to be crushed by a rock. I don't want a multiverse of madness moment if you know what I'm getting at. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. What are we on now? Uh, uh, we are talking about Chainsaw Man. Mm. All right. Uh, like four pages worth. It, it felt very short. It's, I know it's, it's longer it's than that. But... Chapter 101, After School Devil Hunters. So uh, our new friends uh, uh, meet up at school the next day. And, uh, uh, oh God, it's, I'm sorry, I'm getting their names confused. So Asa, uh, is like, says, okay, well, you can have the shoes back. And she's like, no, I said that you could keep them. Well, they didn't fit me exactly. They're a little small. And then they just kind of like decide to keep on hanging out. Um, God, what is her friend's name? Yuko? Yuko. Yes. Yeah. She says like, hey, well. Why don't we go like hunt devils after school? It'll it'll be it'll be cool, right? And Nasa's a bit hesitant, and but she's also seemingly a little bit embarrassed about this. But she's like, yeah, okay, yeah. So they go to do that, and uh, they end up, you know, like hanging out, having some some food uh, beforehand, and they kind of just announce, like, I guess if she just skipped school today, which hmm, wonder what he could be up to. Uh, and Nasa asks why you go. It's like gung ho about being a devil hunter, and she's like, "Well, you get big money, and you don't have to go to college." 
And uh, also my parents got killed by a devil. So I'd be like, an Avenger. Perfect, right? I know at this point, you technically can say the term Avenger without it being like every every letter's capital. But I was like, I wonder how much that is an intentional, like, the MCU exists in this world. And like, in, in this world, the people who came back from the blip are like, oh, God, I'm back in the devil world. This mm-hmm. sucks. Then Asa says something that made me take pause because she hesitates for a moment. And then she says, me too. My parents were killed by a devil too. We don't know that. Do we? We haven't seen her parents. She's almost certainly lying. Yeah. I get the impression that she's just trying to connect with Yuko in this way. Yeah. Because uh, she clearly also is lying about that being the reason that she's joined the Devil Hunters Club because she didn't want to. She's being forced to do it by the War Devil. Uh, and Yuko's like, oh my god, we could be partner Devil Hunters to Avenging Angels of Death. It'll be great. Awesome. I gotta go pee because I have to pee when I get excited. <laughs> I, I almost wish this was just the fucking, like, that this was the manga of like, oh, two avenging fucking angels of death. That sounds pretty dope. It was mentioned that Mataka's parents were killed by a devil in her first chapter. So I guess maybe she was. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. So maybe uh, that pause is just because she's so nervous, like that she has an excitement. Yeah. Yeah. She's very bad at making friends, unfortunately. So the war devil uh, appears, of course, while Yuko is gone and says to Mitaka that, hey, we should kill her. Mitaka's like, Ooh what you're talking about and she says like look if you kill someone then the remains belong to you and you can turn her into a weapon so let's do that he was like no well you need to kill devils with powerful weapons and the guiltier you feel about creating a weapon the more powerful it will be oh boy that's gonna be great cool this manga is going to weaponize Feeling guilty. Guilt. Yeah, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, and she's like, yeah, it'll be great. Just choose a good location and kill her. And Minotaka's like, I'm not going to do that. Why do you want to kill people so much? Uh, and the war devil says, hey, girl, you're not here to make friends. And Mitaka gets mad because she's, she's always calling her girl this and girl that. And she's like, I've got a name. Call me Asa. And war devil says, well, you don't call me by my name either. And Mitaka says, well, that's because War Devil is a weird and awkward yeah. thing to say all the time. I, I do just like that. She's like, but War Devil's just like awkward to say. He's like, fair. You've got a point. <laughs> Get a point. So War Devil's like, all right, I'll drop it. She'll make a better weapon with you guy closer anyway. Uh, and then she switches to, all right, you have difficulty just saying my name in casual conversation. So, all right. You can call me Yoru. Uh, and if it serves my quest to kill Chainsaw Man, I'll swallow everything you say. And it's like awesome. a pun thing, right? Like it's morning and evening or something like that. Yeah. Or day, um, day and night, something like that. Yes. Yoru means night. So uh, uh, this is, of course, all above Mitaka's pay grade. All the stuff that uh, Yoru is talking about. Uh, and she's like, not even trying to focus on it. She's like, I've, I've made a friend and I'm having fun and this is great. Uh, she's kind of just disappearing into that. 
they pass by a street preacher who is doing something very unhelpful, which is telling everyone to be scared of devils, which is what makes them stronger. Um, and he just goes on for the rest of the chapter, basically. Like, uh, it starts off, you know, on him, and then we will cut back to him saying stuff for a bit about how, like, oh, my God, you're all going to die because a devil kills you. And he recites some statistics about how common it is for people to be killed by devils these days. It is up to like seven out of every 20 people uh, are killed by devils directly. And meanwhile, Yuko and Mitaka are walking along and this giant humanoid bat devil thing comes rushing around the corner, throwing people off buildings and crushing them and stuff. And uh, he starts eating one. As the preacher concludes by saying, mankind is at war with devils. And Mitaka and Yuko look at this giant bat thing eating a dude's arm, surrounded by dead bodies. And it ends on this amazing fucking note. Because Yoru appears next to Mitaka, who is standing there stunned. And she says, I have bad news and more bad news. (laughs) She says, First off, uh, we can't beat the bat devil when in your current state. Second, I just learned I can't take over your body when you're stricken with fear. (laughs) It's a great moment. It's a great moment. (laughs) So she says, Asa, back away slowly and quietly. And Yuko and Mitaka turn and run away as fast as they can and immediately draw the Bat Devil's attention while Yoru yells at them for drawing his attention. (laughs) And that's the end of the chapter. Um, By the way, so uh, Shonen Jump is going to be on a break next week. Also, Chainsaw Man is at the same time going to a bi-weekly schedule now. We had been thinking that this was going to happen uh, eventually, that it was not going to be every single week that we would get a chapter, and that is what has happened. It seems like it's going to be every other week, uh, starting when the next chapter comes out on the 16th of August. So there we go. Yep. That makes sense. Good chapter. Funny moments. I like the conversation going on i I want to see chainsaw man again though yeah we're uh still waiting on that Uh, i do like the way the fact that um the series didn't make you sit on the idea that uh the war devil would want to kill yuko and that makes her stronger because uh they're closer than just you know some rando that she could kill so i'm just glad it's like okay that thought's in your head yeah here it is here it is out in the open so you don't have to you know just be sitting on that while we don't acknowledge it yeah all right let's talk about world trigger Trigger! chapter 224 the away mission test part 22 so we have moved on to the next day of the test and the next phase of the simulation battles. And the big thing that is happening here is that there are more units that have to be controlled. So we start off with, uh, mm, mm, hang on. Ms. Ms. Ukami. That's his full name. Uh, <laughs> 
And uh, he realized, like, oh, man, uh, at this point, I think that they're probably going to. Uh, so they're going to keep on expanding the number of units. Uh, and eventually I might have to deal with like 25. And if I'm doing it by myself, even I might have a hard time. All right. Humble brag. Uh, we get we check it on a few squads reacting to, you know, having to adjust to having more units to control. Not a lot actually get said until we get over to Kodera squad, which is the one that Kitora is on. And uh, they throw out some theories that uh, range damage is calculated differently from blade damage, which is, and there's all this stuff that's not important. Um, like someone so- coded it wrong. Actually, sometimes you can, if you go in with certain amounts of code uh, key damage, it actually loops back around to a negative value, becomes infinite damage. They didn't play test it very well. Katora's skills are broken. It looks like it clips through walls and the animation cycle is a little too short. There's some keyframe issues that need to be uh, fixed. There's a hot patch, I think, coming in any minute now. Uh, focus focus energy actually lowers your chance of critting, even though it's supposed to increase it. And uh, it's just, yeah, so... So, yeah, there was only there was only so many room for storage on it, so that's why if you have a Growlithe in your party and you level up it, it'll evolve your Pikachu because it's the same value as a Thunderstorm. <laughs> that was also a fun fact about Pokemon I learned recently. I didn't know about that one, but that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so they basically reached the conclusion of like, okay, we can keep on focusing on this written stuff, but we actually need to start making headway in the battle sims as well because no matter how good we do in the written assignments we'll fall behind without that uh but kitora tells not kitora rather uh kodera tells them all there's too many characters kodera tells them all look our major chance for points is going to come tomorrow so we're going to keep on playing we're playing we're not going to play defensively today we're going to gather data and if anyone has a new idea on what we should try speak up now he also turns to their operator, Rokuta, and says, is that okay? And she hesitantly says yes, but privately she thinks to herself, given the circumstances, I don't know if I can. So she's got a thing going on that I think we're only just learning about. We check in on Udagawa's squad. And what is this guy's name? Hang on. It's Udagawa's uh... squad. Urushima. Urushima gets a message. He goes to answer it. Cut away. So... <laughs> Wakamura squad. Wakamura sucks. All right. <laughs> um, so everyone's turning to or to each other to figure out what they are going to do about these balsams. They're increasingly becoming a problem, especially because they've got this written stuff to do. And Hosoi recommends that they go with Hughes in command. And Hughes says, like, look, if people stick to, like, straightforward strategies, I can guarantee a victory or a draw against most of the other teams that we have to go up against. Uh, and they ask him about stuff like, what about Mizukami? And uh, and he says, oh, yeah, like our squad's got <laughs> advantage because we've got higher try-on totals. And the more units that you have, the more the try-on difference between them is going to affect the outcome of the battle. So we're actually going to be in a much better situation today than we were yesterday if we have traditional straightforward battles. Uh, and they're like, well, what about... Katori. Oh, she's unpredictable. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he immediately is like, yeah, I'm not going to take it. I'm not going to take uh, ownership of that one. Um, as they're discussing this possibility, uh, Wakamura starts to get discouraged and stuff, but he actually kind of peps up a bit because Hugh says, look, 
I'll only do this if the captain orders it. And so that kind of because he's the one giving the go ahead seems to give him a little bit of a, of, you know, a reason to be like, okay, we'll go with Hughes's idea here, but only on the ones that he thinks he has the winning strategy on. Otherwise we'll play normally. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, then we get into some of the battles, uh, and, uh, Usamu is thinking about what he went over with Sua, uh, about, you know, Mizukami running battles by himself. And everyone's been thinking about that. Um, then it gets to the point where they need to prepare for everything. The wind condition also has changed. There is, uh, which is if there's a difference between squads remaining units, then the squad with the most remaining units is the winner. So it's not just a pure elimination thing. Uh, we covered a Mizukami who's still like, gotta do the, this by myself. Guys, I'm not doing anything suspicious in this room by myself. Keep doing what you're doing. Bye. Taichi wears his stupid fucking hat over his headphones because fuck him. Uh, battle some exercise. Uh, we go, we ram through this stuff really quickly. Uh, Sua squad like gets a win over, over Kitazoi squad because Kitazoi squad kind of sucks at this point. And then we just kind of just go through results and it's all very weirdly cutesy violence because there's people making silly expressions where they get holes blown in them because it's a chibi video game uh setting uh as they get more and more into it osama keeps on reflecting on the fact that yeah this is a problem because like there are strategies that aren't going to work because of the try on difference and stuff and meanwhile weaker units are getting more and more of their vulnerabilities uh exposed and also the point total difference is affecting that too uh, so we need to find a way to score without relying on just the statistics associated with our units. Uh, the special assignment comes in. Sua decides to answer it. It's an interesting question, which is, hey, come up with a new match format other than the ones that you currently participate in, which are three match and four match stuff for Rank Wars. It's like, cool. Um, Royal and... Rumble. That's what I would put down. That's all uh... I would I'd be ranking shark cage match <laughs> uh, a mimosa match um, so Sua says like hey you guys manage my units keep on trying to come up with cheat with cheese strats so that we can win further down the line uh, then things keep on going and again we get the point where they beat Wakamura squad and again Katori looks really disappointed in her teammate uh, and then the battles finish they got the same number of wins as they did the previous day. So no, I guess, real problems there. Uh, so technically they improved actually, because there was one less loss to, but yes, that loss two, became a draw. Right. And uh, they also, they also go up a little bit in the rankings, partially as a result of that and partially because they just kind of accommodated better to having to do that while doing written tests. But Katori is not listening to everyone reflecting on this stuff. She just looks at her two squad mates being in the two teams that are ranked at the very bottom. And is like, Ugh. and as they're all trying to like, trying to, you know, basically uh, have a, a session after the combats are done. And Sua says, let's do a rundown of what you guys have picked up. Katori just collapses on her laptop and puts her head down and she looks really bored and annoyed. And they're like, what's what's wrong, Katori? And she says, I'm just suddenly not feeling this at all. And that's the note we end on. She's just very unenthusiastic about this stuff. So 
it's fair. We knew this was kind of a character trait of hers. She shuts down sometimes, so it'll be interesting to see how they can sort of diagnose this and actually try to like come up with like a response, like how do we get her out of this funk? Essentially, yeah, we're in a pretty a pretty stressful environment, so it's really hard to separate it entirely. Yeah, and she's also separated from any people who might be able to like connect to her on a certain on, on any personal level. So, yay! Yeah, um, yeah. This was an actual like I liked that the pace picked up in this chapter, and we got some stuff that's like, oh my god, person, you know, personal issues are gonna be coming up now. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, let's move away from that now. Yeah, let's. <laughs> Instead, let's talk about everyone's favorite Eden Zero. So this is uh, technically, I guess, going to be a live read. I did skim through it right before the podcast, but I didn't pick up every single line of dialogue. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Chapter 202, Unmasked. So the Eden Zero crew is in their fight with uh, Dead End Crow, who just absorbed wholly recently. Uh, Her, uh, not Hermit, um, Clean is like, the steel sorceress is signal. I've lost it. We've also lost contact with Holy. Like, what do we do? And the captain's like, Revenge! we got to release the charge. And they, they, they're they like, we got to get out of here. Dead End Crow's like, you're not getting away. And he starts overdriving. They're like, what? But at that size, and he basically becomes like one of the bad Gigantamax Pokemon where like yeah. the torso is way too long and you're like, all right, man, I don't know what's going on here. This is, I guess this is a little silly for silly sake. Uh, he's going to punch it because as we know from Hero Manga, when your character gets very, very big, they're the strongest thing ever. And they aren't usually just defeated by someone being like, zap. <laughs> um like how fucking fast is he this is crazy all hands brace for impact he punches them with their shield and just sends the ship flying so they're all dead from like the inertia alone which pretty is, much would just liquefy them but uh we cut over to ziggy and shiki who are fighting they throw rocks at each other uh and then they punch each other a little bit and then shiki punches ziggy really hard in the face and i guess like the gravity that ripples off of it rips apart ziggy's mask which we didn't know he had and there's a person seemingly underneath it It looks like a flesh and blood body it could just be uh, an android or an something android, like that sure. but it does look like it does look like there is somebody underneath ziggy's mask it has a nose and it has teeth yes so, so shiki's like whoa Cut over to inside Dead End Crow. Holy is inside. She's like, I've lost contact with Eden Zero. Am I inside Crow? And she says, maybe this isn't so bad. Now I can destroy him from the inside. She's like, wait a minute. I can't use my ether gear. What's going on? And Dead End Crow has summoned a little tiny version of himself to walk around uh, being like, yes, hello, little missy. It's an ether jammer. And she's like, Dead End Crow. How? Is that your real body? He's like, no, of course not. You're just seeing a physical manifestation of my personality, which doesn't really answer a lot. No, not uh, really. You just can make a little tiny you, I guess. Sure. Uh, and he says, so don't get your hopes that you can take down the giant by defeating me. So Holy goes, Crow! And goes to punch him. And he's like, Crow? Yeah. He says, hey, didn't you hear what I just said? Besides, you can't use your ether gear now. You're just a helpless little girl. And she has like a grid face. Like, Arr. he's like, oh, that face. 
Hey, and then he snaps her wrist, seemingly, or maybe her whole arm, actually, because yeah. uh, she just starts screaming. And she's like, he's like, wait, haven't I seen you before? And she's like, you slaughtered all those people on Atmos Day. One of them was my sister. And he's like, oh, maybe I still have data on that. I, I, I store all the senseless travesties I cause, I guess, and I could watch them later. Uh, and she's like, yeah, you killed Sarah. And he's like, oh, yeah, but I let you live, didn't I? <sighs> Stripped naked and hung up in the square for everyone to see. That was one of my best work. And I'm not going to act like I called it, but I did state before when we saw that face. I was like, I bet it's going to be some weird sexual violence thing. That's the root of all this, because that's just what Hero does. So it's good to know you can you can predict that pattern. Oh, he tries to punch him with his other arm. Which no, is no, it's because because Quinn, it's because Eden Zero is a very dark story very dark. with serious plot points. Very dark. He killed his sister and then strung her up naked in the square for everyone to see. It's not weird yeah, until she until she started to smell like poop. Yes, <laughs> he didn't. He cut that part. He like kept walking over and he's like, "Oh, this is stinky. This is not <laughs> like gross." <laughs> like. This isn't erotic at all. Like, Hero has to come face to face with like, the realities of the scenarios. He's great. Like, look, I draw the line at scat, okay? Yeah. Ew, gross. Unless, <laughs> do you want it? Unless. Yeah, unless. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There is a rectum bomb. So maybe we're not far off from this, this place. Uh, that was all just a joke the yeah. whole time. Uh, Holy goes to punch him with her other arm, which is kind of a baller move. I'll give her that. Uh, but then Dead End Crow just starts choking her again. And he's like, oh, you want me to do it? No, nah, better not. Last time all the people complained at the spell of your dumb. I didn't read that. That's why I said that she started smelling pooped, Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> See, Ian Zero is a very dark and serious story you about... The mature issues that you face when you come up against the worst that the universe has to offer. It was like, ha ha ha, <laughs> you smelled like poop. <laughs> no, people still act like this is the fucking coolest shit in the world, man. It's wild. Uh, you just can't appreciate this very mature story that Hero's telling. I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, he says, nobody survives. Two fights with me. And I guess he's going to kill Holy. But then his arm gets cut off. Or his physical manifestation gets physically manifested of an arm getting cut off. And uh, it's Jin and Laguna. And they're like, we'll take care of our guests. Also, they can use their ether gear. So I guess the uh, jammer doesn't affect them. So Yeah, well, maybe you only put it on one person. Maybe, like... Uh, <laughs> It's like, how many look, people could get inside of me? Look, I'm a giant person, so my body's internal defenses, you know, are, are like my immune system. And like all immune systems, it can only handle one. one invading body at a time. Like all human bo- bodies, I have one white blood cell to combat diseases. That's <laughs> all I need, just one. The Roman reigns, I used to call it. One white blood cell. That's what uh, Osmosis Jones is about, right? Yeah. Just one white blood cell. There was another white blood cell, and he was like, get out of here. We don't need you in these parts. <laughs> I never I never saw that movie. <laughs> Look good, though. Look good. Look good. <laughs> oh, I feel so sick. 
maybe if I maybe if I go over here to where where these people have shit themselves, I'll also give you a better. I know why is that the detail? <laughs> like, right. like I want to know what his end goal is. There, like I'm gonna kill everybody, except I guess I'll just kill a lot and then string you up naked for everyone to look. And their big complaint is like, oh, sounds kind of poopy up here. Like, was her act of defiance? Yeah, like, like, were they bothered by this? Were they horrified? Because you would assume in that scenario, like, if they were really tortured by the experience, they wouldn't say anything and the threat of it possibly happening to them. But I like that they were just like, hey, Mr. Crow, we <laughs> love having you here. I know you had a different way of celebrating Atmos Day than most of us, but we really respect that. And we like what you're doing with the town. Just um, one little detail. And honestly, I think this could just improve everything. It smells like like all the time. It just smells like diarrhea constantly. And we were thinking, like, I don't know, like, maybe you could put, like, like an air freshener up there or something like that. Just pop one in. I don't really need to know where. That's up to you. You seem like you're the mastermind, the astro to all of this. But if you could just slide one of those right up in there, or even, like, an air freshener around the neck, something. Because, again, like, the diarrhea is so palpable. I mean, I, I, I can't sleep. That's all I'm getting at here. But again... We let us install fans. Just fans, like, outside our bedrooms to blow the smell away. Can we close the window or something? Again, you're doing a 10 out of 10 job. You know, this is just bringing it... This is just to bring it up to 11. (laughs) All right, you're going up my butthole. (laughs) He's like, I don't actually have a nose, so I don't know what it smells like. Is it bad? (laughs) I'm a robot, I think. (laughs) All right, so anyway, great chapter. Let's talk about Akane Minashi. How do we do anything after that? Jesus Christ. All right. Oh, cool dramatic chapter. Cool dramatic chapter. Story 24 of Akane Banashi, Infinite Blessings. So Akane uh, begins her performance uh, of Jugemu in this chapter and starts off uh, with her acting out the meeting between the father and the monk who offers all these different ideas for names for their son. Uh, and the father keeps on expressing like dissatisfaction, like, oh, well, this will only grant him happiness for a thousand years. It'll only let him live for 10,000 years. No, we want a name that'll make it sound like he'll live forever. Uh, Hikaru is observing the performance and she's trying to figure out basically what the key is to what is affecting her performance. Cause she's like, she's not, changing the way she speaks much or the way or the facial expression she's making and our performances are nothing alike i never entertained the idea of doing something subtle i never realized you could do rock ago this way uh and the she actually out the point where the monk offers up the name jugemu and all of the blessings that are associated with it and uh, the father says, yeah, I like it. But what else you got? And you go through all the different names and all of the different meanings behind them, the significance of all of them. Cool old illustrations for all of them, for the meaning of them and where they came from and why they're so uh, offer so much prosperity for the child who's named with them. 
And uh, eventually she comes to the monk saying uh, there's Chokyume written with the kanji for extremely long life and Chosuke, which means to help for a long time. And if I were to have a son of my own, that's what I'd name him. And as she says this, she flashes back to a conversation she had with her mother about her name. And her mother says, you were born a little bit before your due date. And Toru was away for work. He didn't get to the hospital until the evening after you were born. And we get a flashback within a flashback of Akane as a baby being held for the first time in her father's arms. And of course, she's this little bundle and she's, you know, a baby. So she's crying. And as Toru looks out the window while holding his daughter, he says to Masaki, his wife, why don't we name her Akane? Uh, and in the in the midway flashback, Masaki explains to Akane that he's thought, oh, you know, Scarlet, because of the sunset he was looking at, nay, for sound. And Scarlet also means to avert evil and has meant to have a long life. He actually really thought about it. Of course he did. No parent picks a name for their child at random. And she cuts into the performance again. And Jugemu's father just like, let's stick all these names on our boy. Uh, and, you know, his explanation is like, you know, what if we only use one of these names and he ends up dying? Because we'll want to think that, oh, why don't we pick another name? And there is this context in the Edo period childhood death was very common. So parents would give their children names that aspired to long life to try and hold, you know, pay, hold off death while they were young. And the key to Jugemu isn't the long phrase, the tongue twister element. It, in a story that makes you laugh by repeating this ridiculously long name, the key is why they gave him that name. The unconditional love that parents feel for their child. And Akane acts out, you know, the first joke of the story with Jugemu's mother uh, trying to comfort him. And so she's like, oh, come on, let's play peekaboo. Look up here. Jugemu, Jugemu no Goko no Suriki Rezu The whole thing, which goes across the entire page. And then she does peekaboo and the baby is gone. And hey, there's a joke. She took so long to play peekaboo with her kid because of saying his name and it's gone. And there's just this big ha that goes out across around the audience. And Hikaru starts to realize something is happening. And she doesn't understand it yet, but she says, the more I listen, the more of the imagery of what she's describing takes over, the more her presence fades from the stage. And that's the end of the chapter. Uh, very cool. Um, really liked it. It's an excellent chapter. I, I, I was curious where they were going to go. Like, how? Do you, what's the reinterpretation? It's like, oh, playing into what was said before about, like, the meaning of things is actually a very important way to go about stories. So the meaning of the Jigamu story and why those names are so important, like, placing an emphasis on that and almost turning it a bit more into almost like a tragedy as opposed to just, like, a goofy joke story. Um, it's very sweet. I'm very curious to see where they go. I don't know if there's a chapter I'm more hyped to see next chapter of than absolutely uh, the series right now. Yeah, and... Uh... Um, obviously, you know, playing into the idea of like, oh, you know, because they 
went with this decision it turns on them and stuff as was pre- previously alluded to but i also was not uh, expecting that we would get all this about you know akane and her name and how that allows her to relate to it more so it's very sweet so yeah it's very very good good stuff and good stuff all around good stuff Let's good stuff in there it's good series aliens area yeah, yeah good stuff yeah number nine break the silence uh, With a title like that, it has to be exciting and awesome, right? Yeah, Tatsumi's having trouble setting up his work computer. Hey, don't we all? No. Oh, well. He's like a simple bumpkin. He's never had a computer before. So this is all very difficult. It's actually kind of a funny premise of this. Like, this guy doesn't have any money, so he never has. So yeah, yeah. computers are weird for him. Like a quick opening gag. I, I dug it. Yeah. Uh, Ginji. Uh, one of the other members of Team Shiraku uh, comes over and is you know like hey, here let me let me try it hey did you get the see the email we got before did yeah we need to thing? address a parking violation yeah yeah can you take care of that that'd be great yeah uh, but he says that they need to uh, deal with a UFO parking violation which Tatsumi's like they hit parking tickets <laughs> which is a fair reaction yeah. Uh, they are driven out to the site and there is just this kind of just a nice little awkward moment where they don't know how to talk to each other because they can't really talk when it's just the two of them. It's more comfortable when they're in a group. It's like, yeah, relatable. Sure. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a bit of a thing because, you know, they they go to a playground and Gijin, uh, challenges Tatsumi to spot the UFO uh, and it turns out it's the phone booth. Who would have ever thought of traveling via phone booth? No one would ever think of that who has seen any sci-fi whatsoever. So uh, the alien shows up. He's a very tall dude who's got a big brain. Honestly, he looks like a very tall version of the Martians from Mars Attacks. A little Um, bit, yeah. Definitely has the head for it. Right. Uh, and so the alien says like, oh, yeah, this guy said it was fine to park my ride here. I don't see what the problem is. So Gijin's trying to help Tatsumi, uh, you know, work through the situation. He's like, hey, yeah, you know, like you, you can handle it. So Tatsumi's trying to interview him and he's like having to crane his neck to look up at the guy and stuff. He's like, why, why are you visiting? What's the purpose? I already told that guy. Uh, and Tatsumi says, well, you, you've got to move your vehicle. Why? What do you mean, why? Why do I have to move it? Be- because it's the law. Like, why do I have to obey Earth laws? And he spits at Tatsumi, who has to dodge out of the way. And, like, he's got, like, acid spit. So this guy's clearly not cool. Um, And uh, the guy looks like he's going to, like, spit directly on Tatsumi. And Tatsumi's like, shit, what do I do if I say the wrong thing? Is this alien going to try and kill me? And basically, <laughs> Genji says, like, listen, we don't really care, but, you know, our bosses, come, and on. come on, you know, you know, it's like, you know, we'd have to do this and you have to go through all this red tape in order to get your car out from being impounded and stuff. Um, so and then he offers him tissues. And he says, like, look, you're drooling or that it demands you wipe up your your spit. Uh, I know you're not doing it on purpose. 
But I also know that like it's good manners to operate your UFO and still where people can't see. Um, that's what he points out. The tissues are going to melt. This is a thing that I understand is very common in Japan is that people just like will just carry tissues around to give to people if they don't have them. It's just considered common courtesy like, oh, you need to like wipe your mouth or wipe your nose or blow your nose. So here. Um, yeah. So but, you know, he's basically making a point of like undercutting this alien's tough guy act by being like, oh, here, let me help you out with you know, your little baby dribble thing. Uh, and after he's talked to you this way, they have an uneasier time with the alien who, you know, cooperates with them more. Uh and Genji's like, yeah, I ran a background check on that guy. And yeah, he knew all the stuff that he wasn't supposed to do and stuff. If he had you know, caused trouble, we might have had to use force. And hey, look, when you run into situations like that, when you run into trouble and things are getting tricky, you can request help because you can't do everything yourself. And you can also ask us for you know advice and help. So that way we can show off for you. So it's like, all right, that's nice. And then... They kind of follow through on that because Genji helps Tatsumi set up his computer when they get back to the office. And then they're like, hey, you want to go eat? Uh, Tatsumi's like, nah, I got I to gotta get back to my family. And uh, they go back on the road. And as they're on the road, uh, Genji says, I should never take the expressway because it reminds me of my ex-girlfriend. And Tatsumi's like, can I can I ask you about that? No. And that's the end of the chapter. It's a, it's a funny ending, you know. But, um, so this series ain't doing so hot. It just started ranking has already plummeted to the very bottom. Oh, but right when it was getting boringly. Okay. (laughs) Uh, it's set to like, cause now this series almost seems like maybe it's going to try to be more slice of life. Like I, we've been two chapters in a row where like the ultimate thing has been like, yeah, you don't need to solve every conflict by fighting. Like sometimes you just talk these things out and this time it's like, Hey, we got to kind of deal with it politically and you got to get more acquainted with one of your coworkers. Like it's super kind of like gentle and easy and ends on like a joke. There's no fighting or anything like that. But like, and I actually think it's kind of fun. Like I almost wish this had been the premise from the very beginning as opposed to like, or like it just picked it like one or the other, like, gone with something uh as it is i think this series is potentially already doomed um but it is certainly an interesting thing to watch when it went from being like here's a battle series with special hands and gravity defying powers and all sorts of gimmicks and then it's like yeah two chapters just take it easy you know like chill like this is the time for us to do this yeah i'm like yeah you know i I kind of yeah fuck it just go for it you know this is how we're ending volume one All right, over to Blue Box, chapter number 63. Help me out. Blue Box. Blue Box. Taiki is objecting to the idea of him being the substitute prince in the Snow White play. And people are like, I mean, you can't object now. You've already put on the the costume. You made me put it on. Come on, dude. Come on. Uh, and so they appeal to you and they're like, come on, look, we got to put this play on. The audience will be waiting. Taiki brings to the point of like, I know Kyo knows all the lines and Kyo is not there because he's been being used by the festival committee. So it's, we all know that Kyo would have stepped up to the occasion. You can always count on Kyo. Ah, Kyo. Kyo. So they, you know, restate the point that like, OK, you know, the whole production, you you're familiar with everything. 
uh, it's you're the only one who really stands a chance to be able to actually do this because everyone else is going to be busy with other stuff. Um, and Taiki realizes, like, I know that everyone's been practicing. I know how hard they've worked for this. His eyes go over to uh, Hina, who is kind of looking pleadingly at him. Uh, and Taiki specifically thinks about how hard she has been working, you know, walking around the halls, reciting her lines and stuff, all the prep she's put into this. And so he decides, yeah, he can't let his friend down at this moment. So he agrees to play the prince. Um, and uh, as everyone kind of goes off to get ready, he passes by Hina and says, hey, look, if I forget my lines, help help cover for me. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I will. So it's a nice little little note of like, hey, cool. So uh, and he's like, I'm glad the prince doesn't have so many lines. I should be fine, even if I don't get every single word exactly right. Oh, but I've never been on stage to do anything except play the melodica at recital in elementary school. So, yeah, it's relatable. Yeah, I understand that. It's difficult to put yourself into that situation very suddenly. Um, He then gets weird ideas in his head of if he loses his place, he'll just ad lib and distract people with a song, which I think will just make his situation worse. So it's a good thing he's having these thoughts now instead of on stage. Uh, and then he also has to deal with the fact that it's like, oh, there's a kissing scene. It's like they're, they weren't going to kiss. You don't have to kiss her either. So um, and he's like, look, I know it's not going to be real, but it was embarrassing when we did it the once before. Now we're going to do it again. Uh, and then as he's thinking about that, he thinks about that. Chinatsu has told him she's coming to see the play. And then he it just sets him off all over again. He like conches down. And he's worried about like, oh, I, I told her I wasn't going to be in the play and I'm going to have this key role in the play. She's going to think I lied to her again and I can't just tell her not to come. And we cut ahead to people gathering in the audience. There is another performance that's going on. It looks like kind of a, a an idol girl group, yeah. basically. And uh, Chinatsu is meeting with Hina and oh, I always forget his name. It's Hyo. Hyodo. Hyodo. That was very close. Damn it. I almost said Hyoka. That's not it. Uh, but anyway. Uh, and uh, so they're going to, you know, watch stuff. And uh, they're talking about everything like, oh, yeah, uh, there's a bunch of people who are coming to see the cute girl from the Rhythmic Gymnastics Club and stuff. There's a funny little moment where Hina turns to Hyodo and says, which one of us is cuter? And Hyodo just you miss Karen. <laughs> He's had to answer this so many times. Um, and uh, Yodo just kind of says like, well, yeah, I mean, like if you're going to go see a school play, you got to have a reason. You wouldn't just go see a play unless you knew somebody who was in it. Just kind of offhandedly says that while sitting next to Chinatsu. <laughs> like, um, and, uh, Kina asks, like, oh, do you know someone in it? And Hyoto's like, oh, no, no, but uh, my my club member is has helped with the play. So it's like, oh, that's, that's what a, a what damn a good, fine thing to do. Like, what a good guy Kyoto yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, but as he says this, Chinatsu says, oh, no, Taiki's going to be on. Taiki Inamata is going to be on stage. He's going to be playing the prince. And of course, his club mates are like what the hell really oh man i can't wait let's get a camera ready again great club mates yeah um but uh they kind of bring up the point of like 
wait, why do you know that? Um, but uh, there is at that moment, there's conversation going on. The people whispering like, oh, man, the prince had to be replaced. And blah, blah, blah. So it's like, oh, OK, it's a rumor. So she must have heard it that way. But of course, we look down at Shinatsu's phone and we see that she got a message from Taiki who did the smart thing and told her what happened. Uh, and he's like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to act. Please don't be so hard on me, basically. And Shinatsu's got a bit of a weird look on her face, probably because she realizes, wait a minute. He's going to be kissing that girl who's sweet on him. Mm. Well, isn't she going to be thinking, just didn't he shout out, like, nothing happened. I didn't kiss anybody. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. It's hard to reach you not to. That's <laughs> it. I was genuinely very impressed that he actually did communicate Absolutely. that to her. Like, hey, I'm going to be on stage. Please don't judge. Like, because you were like, this could have been like a stupid conflict that provenly was solved by sending a text message basically absolutely yeah so now all sorts of other complications can come up and said that are more interesting than the God, stuff that I'll, you know we've I'll, seen a billion times i wanted to get on stage on stage just like i the prince and nothing happened last time <laughs> to be clear we'll go and kiss sleeping beauty but just and like this, before, this is just the play <laughs> nothing is happening and so right, we're clear and so the prince kissed, kissed Snow White. No! I haven't. No! In fiction! In fiction! Not for real. In reality. This is lies and slander against my character. <laughs> in reality, I am pretending to do so. In accordance with the fact that we have never kissed there. <laughs> Nothing happened last time. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Wait, what last time are you talking about? <laughs> he runs off the stage, trips over her, and then runs off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get a brief little scene between a couple of like crew members of the class who make reference to a confetti ball, which I'm sure will never come up again. Uh, and then cut to backstage. Taiki is kind of leading the class in a little bit of a, like, all right, let's do this. Come on, go out there. And there are some people who kind of unenthusiastically root on Taiki, I guess. Um, but then, and he's still thinking about the fact that, oh my God, I'm going to have to kiss Hina and it's going to be really embarrassing. Fake kiss Hina. Hina does the knee bump thing to him. That was pretty cool. I like yeah. that. She did that in a dress too. Very. I was going to say, that seems like it is an exceptionally difficult thing to do in a dress. Mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, come on. Why are you so nervous about this? And Taiki points out, like, why Why are you not nervous? And Hina responds, did you forget who I am? <laughs> Which is great. Uh, but she then gets a bit serious and she says, look, I am nervous because this is totally different from a rhythmic gymnastics performance. And I didn't expect that I'd have to be acting opposite you but I know that everyone's counting on me because I'm the lead of this play and I've been preparing for this as best I can. So look, you're one of my closest friends. Help me out with all you've got. And she puts, gets in this kind of like fighting pose. And then to kind of break the tension a little bit, she brings up a time that uh, when they were in junior high, uh, they did a uh, sports day thing. And Taiki, as one of the guys in a sports club, had to do a cheerleading routine with his clubmates. So, so which is a fairly common thing in uh, Japanese schools, from what I understand. So uh, 
but yeah, they kind of just, you know, make small talk a little bit about, you know, nerves and working through it and stuff. Uh, Kyo comes in after having helped out and he's talking to some people and being like, Hey, good luck, good work on everything and stuff. There's a few people that are whispering to each other. And he, when he comes over to talk to them, he's like, what are you guys whispering about? And they say, Oh, we were just kind of like looking at Hina and Taiki talking. And we were wondering if they're going out because they've always been really close. And Kyo gets all like, I think they're just friends. But you bring up a point. What exactly is the difference between a platonic friend and a lover? Kyo's dumb. Kyo's He's like dumb, dumb as fuck. Kyo's like, a, like he, he posted that on Facebook immediately after. Well, not Facebook. That'd be fucking ancient. But he posted <laughs> MySpace. That. Yeah. <laughs> He got on his Zanga account and posted that little nugget. No, he, he went on one of his social media. Yeah. <laughs> he got to his Angel Fire account. He went to his Neopets account and posted <laughs> on his message board for the day. Um, we can't go back any further. That's as old as we know. Yeah, yeah that's as old as the internet. Um, no, he, he fucking... It's, it's such a doofy fucking teenage thought of like, really, what is the difference? Like, you can't be a fucking... A, a friend... Like you're always gonna be lovers. It's always gonna be there. It's like, what's really the difference? Like, I don't know, man. Like, I know that like different people have different romantic relationships, but I think that you're not being nearly as deep as you think you are. It's like, what's exactly the difference between a platonic friend and a lover? Like, the interest in starting a romantic relationship, presumably. Like, that's. <laughs> oh. Also, he's just not a very likable character yet in general so yeah well kyo's not had a whole lot of moments i'm waiting for him to yeah. show like all right let's do a tier list right now improv to nick uh kyo uh oh god what was the dude from nisekoi shu raku oh no, shoot shoot shoes way better shoes way better than kyo come on wow really you way hated shoe you hated shoe you were I, so I, upset i, he I was... grew to like him a lot okay. though so all right we're going to find weird third wheel dudes in, in harem series and just start ranking them against each other. Shoes the glasses guy, yeah. right? Yeah, you yeah. hated him, though, because he was like a weird Maybe initially. pervert. Yeah, I didn't like that about him, but he got to be a lot better. That is true. So. I'm just I, I'm shocked you were so quick for it. Yeah, anyway. All right. Do, do it. OK, so <laughs> good chapter. I enjoyed it. It was fun. The uh the friend of Yuiga's who would take pictures of ice cream. <laughs> yeah, fuck, I was trying. I was like, was there even a best dude friend in that fucking series? Um, there was the now, guy who had a girlfriend and that never got focused on much. But anyway, yeah. now Nick, I don't want to cut us away from Blue Box. We have I to. Do, I do want to talk. Duran, Duran. Oh my god! The rise of Jin Chiu. This is this is where everything gets real big. Uh, I they win all right that's <laughs> they win uh Nick please this series is certainly not ending in two to three weeks we got to give it the proper due respect of uh covering how every captain was strong enough to beat every person and there was a big reveal of uh Jinchio's uh captain can get like super saiyan hair and kill two of them much. immediately but he was not the strongest 
uh, no. shiitake, bataba, badaba. Yeah, he was the strong one. He was one. the strongest. That guy's there because he needs time <sighs> to build up, you know? Because it's like that old, like, can Batman really beat Superman? No, but yeah, because you give him enough prep time. So who really wins, Katape, Babadaba, or Jinchio Mentor? <laughs> and it's like, well, are we figuring, is there prep time for Jinchio uh, Mentor, whatever, Badaba, getting like time to like prep into his sleepy battle state or whatever? Or or does Bataka Stubadooba, <laughs> does he just get to go full on, just go head cracking? Because I think that's going to decide it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right, Quinn. That's that's the important question, and you've answered it. So Thank good you. job. Yeah. All right. We've taken over the uh, Doran Doran subreddit with this. The very active Doran Doran oh subreddit. God. Is there? Oh, I, I have to there say, has to be. There I know has there to has be. to be, but how? It's made it to thirty three chapters. There's a subreddit. How fucking active can it possibly be? Well, well, it says there's five members online right now. So this is this is a big deal. If they're all weekly manga recap for you uh, listeners, then it doesn't okay. count. So. <laughs> so this is this chapter 33? Yes. yes, it is. How many comments do you think the Reddit had on the live dis- or the discussion for the chapter? Six. You undersold it. There were 10. Thank you very much. <laughs> I almost said 12. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's too many. <laughs> all right. So. I do. <laughs> the top three posts are we're above Earth Child, which <laughs> I part are really clear. Um, one question about why Sleepy Dude's hair was white. And the <laughs> third one of why I don't think Duran Duran should get an anime adaptation. And I'm like, you're dreaming it far Should? <laughs> yes. What do you mean should? That's Can't? Won't? A choice in the matter. Like, oh, well, maybe. <laughs> That's not the verb. <laughs> Oh, it would be a disservice to the high quality on on display in this. Shouldn't. <laughs> Genshio runs around buying time. Ice, fire everywhere. She almost gets overwhelmed from both sides. Her mentor deflects them and kills both dudes really fast. And they're like, hey, good job. You overdid it. Hug. The two girls are getting attacked by a water guy. And, um... They burrow underground to escape the water, I guess. No, wait, I don't remember. So then they get surrounded and a fucking Tora cuts through and boom, yeah, headshot. And then there's the weird polka dot one that's fighting with the young captain dude. You're cutting right over the big piece of character detail that they were on a team together at one point. This is important. All right, they're on a team together. together. Polka Dot's uh, dude gets in close to young samurai guy and punches him in the stomach. uh, And they do this thing that's really weird because uh he says yeah i can read your minds with my ability which is called gift for the afterlife which doesn't sound like a mind reading ability at all but okay so it's like uh and then glasses guy is like hey young samurai officer guy you were the youngest ever to become a samurai officer guy so show him your stuff i believe in you don't let him take off your game and young samurai officer guy is like i can't get scared who cares if you can read my mind i just need an attack it can't dodge and he slashes it towards him and polka dot guy's like well i can just cancel your ability no he can't there's another attack hidden behind it how did he not read his mind about that i don't know so then a glasses guy 
takes on Skullface Mononoke guy, and there's ha, and they she just wow, boom, uh, slash, uh, but then uh, a, a giant fist nearly takes him out, and then glasses samurai guy is like, you don't get it, we have each other, so we have something worth protecting, and that makes us strong. He cuts off his other hand, and Skull Mononoke says, humans are a mystery, <laughs> and then he gets killed, and then. Just offhandedly Pull to let you know. No one sees. Just to let you know, the Kitabatake was really important. Glasses guy says Kitabatake died, but he was really important because I would have lost if he hadn't taken that guy's arm. We win. All of the evil Mononoke have been defeated except the ones that Dora and Kusanagi are going to fight. And it all happened in one chapter. Woo! I, I, I will say this. In full honesty, um, it was kind of actually a cool move at the end of like he goes in for his attack but it's with the arm that was just recently lost and because that the being like the the new hero character got to like have like the victory like that was actually kind of a cool thing but like it's lost within a chapter where four other characters have to get like defeated so it just doesn't have like any real impact unfortunately but it was kind of a cool moment um that said the series is like it's, it's flying it's, out so yeah <sighs> but we'll always be able to treasure the memories. Pa -pa 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 -pa. I have a puzzle for you, Quinn. Oh, for me? Go for I have it. A puzzle for you. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. I don't know about this one, but I believe I, in you, Nick. I had hey, Nick. Look at me. Look at me. I believe in you. Oh, that makes me feel better. Uh, I have a very particular, infamous incident in mind when I write this. Okay. So this particular part of the the piece. Um, I think you could actually potentially figure it out from the first word. Uh, okay. but it'll depend on if your mind runs on the same so wavelength. It, am I guessing an event or a wrestler? It's a, it's a wrestler, but okay. I'm making reference to one particular thing that happened. Uh, that's kind of infamous. Okay. Pikeman's pipe plops. Proceeding punch is painful. Pikeman's pipe. Pipe. Pl Plops. Proceeding punch is painful. So someone got stiffed. Someone got stiffed real hard. Pikeman's. Mm -hmm. Pikeman's pipe. What would be a pikeman? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Trying to think of it as like a different name for a pikeman. Like a soldier, like a Renaissance dude. No, there's no Renaissance dudes. Hmm. Pikeman's pipe. Trying to think of what like a pipe would be in this scenario. Pikeman. Pikeman's a good word. It's confusing me. It is a good word. Hmm. I'll give you a hint. What's another word for pike? Like a spear. Mm -hmm. Spear person. Oh God, mm -hmm. it's not Goldberg. Is it, is, it? it is Goldberg. Oh God. <laughs> There's a particular incident that happened in WCW where Goldberg was supposed to look really like a tough, cool, badass guy by smashing a car window. And they're going to do it by hiding a lead pipe in his sleeve. And it fell out of his sleeve. So when he went to smash it, he didn't have the pipe there. So he broke his hand. When oh. he did. For a moment, I, that's the better version. I was thinking also of another grave injury that happened in WCW that's not as fun. 
Nope, and we'll never forget about that one because Bret Hart keeps on t- reminding us about it, and uh, Goldberg's like, well, I'm a really good guy for forgiving him. <laughs> 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 he meets me. Uh, all right. Anyway, this guy's a relatively new wrestler. Which one thing you should do? How about he just throws out a kick right <laughs> behind him in his blind spot sometimes? And Bret Hart proclaims, just don't hurt me <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> What a disaster. God. Goldberg's All right. Let's talk about P, 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 Chapter 43. On to round two. So Reijiro very clearly beat Saiba in, in that matchup. Everyone kind of knows it, except, I mean, like, there's a few people in the crowd who are like, I liked Rins better, but that's always going to happen. As the scores are being tiled up, Reijiro does not even bother to stick around because Saiba is heading outside and Reijiro rushes to catch up with him. And um, Reijiro doesn't really know what to say for Saiba says, thanks for playing seriously. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't expect you to forgive me. I just wanted to apologize. And he goes to pass him on the steps. And Reijiro, as they're face to face, just says, it's okay." Which, of course, stuns him. He's like, look, no, everything's fine. The violence, the lies, the razor blades. I can handle it now. Whatever's thrown my way, I'm totally fine. And I'm the one who should apologize because I didn't do my best that day. And I'm really sorry. And you got banished. So we're even. So you can still be the same Saiba you used to be. And Saiba says, like, I mean, thank you. But this is goodbye. And uh, we cut to the crowd a little bit as we're going over how, you know, people were reacting to it and stuff. And the note that we end on is someone commenting that uh, Saiba was banished by Gakuan Otogami because, of course, you know, he took his mask off for the performance. And Reijiro is worried that Saiba's going to quit playing piano. He asks if it's because he was banished. And Saiba says, it's not that, but I want to stop. This is something you'll never understand. The results are that Reijiro freaking creamed him. Uh, he, he, he won 83, 83% of the votes. Uh, and we cut back to the two again. Reijiro says, yeah, I probably won't understand, but let me say something before we part. I hope one day you'll walk ahead of me on the way home at dusk again. Oh, they still want to be friends, but they can't for now. Uh, Mimin and Maloli are watching this from a balcony above them. Uh, and uh, Mimin's like, he's going to quit, isn't he? And Maloli says, yes, but if he's no longer suffering, then there's nothing wrong with that, right? And Mimin says, you're talking to me now! <laughs> Which, yeah, she's kind of been in Maloli's face like the entire time they've been here. So, yeah, that's that's a bit of a breakthrough there. Um and Maloli starts to say something, but Mimin has already caught on to it, which is, you're here to end your suffering, too. And Maloli says, yeah, Reijiro Odogami didn't said that he doesn't understand. But do you understand how other people do? How other people feel, rather. And Mimin says, nope. But you said you were suffering. Suffering sucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> suffering sucks, Atash. Uh, they, two of them go out to take the stage to compete in the, they're going to be performing Love's Joy. And we get a big, you know, 
coming onto the stage panels for both of them as they take the stage. Uh, and yeah, round two is coming that just like the chapter said. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, some good stuff. Yeah, I think the chapter itself was all right, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing like, okay, you know, here we go. The two, these two who we've gotten to know a lot of and have a very messy uh, rivalry. I'm very curious to see what's going on there. Yeah, so. good stuff. I like it. I'm, I'm excited for this next matchup. It's going to be good times. Yeah. All right, Nick, let's talk about Mashal Magic and Muscles, Chapter 118, Renames and the determined decision. So we open with Deli Saster, who has been cut up, whose body is just repairing it. And he's like, yeah, turns out you're the one who was all talk. I thought you'd be tough, but now I see, because all these scales just fell from my eyes. Check it out. And Finn's like, what the fuck? He he did all this effort for a joke that bad? And Rain's like, this is true. <laughs> I feel like, like they... He's like, yeah, totes, we're descended from fish, which is where the scales come from. Rain's like, so I have scales too? And Finn shouts from his <laughs> fucking jail, like, no, you don't, Rain! <laughs> uh, and Deli says, like, yo, bro, you're great. This is a blast. That's why I love ultimately messing and killing you guys. Like, it's great. Like, fucking awesome. I've done it 300 times. That's 300 stiffs done in by yours truly. I'm not like those normies out there. They got legends about me. I'm the real deal. I go sicko. They bro. got legends about me. Yeah, they got legends about me, bro. Uh, Ryan, it's like, you talk too much. You talk you. too much. It's a real Arnold Schwarzenegger moment. He's like, you talk too much. I will kill you. <laughs> he throws a bunch of swords. <laughs> uh, Deli Saster knocks them all down, though. And then he fires off a blade that just pierces straight through... Uh, uh, rain or it looks like it, it at least hits him uh, and rain uses that momentum to carry himself into Ukraine a sword that he uses to surf through the air and surf back onto the attack which may be the coolest thing I've ever seen in existence ever uh, the sword gets very close to a deli saster but deli saster has another counter and rain gets impaled on a wall uh, Finn's like please let me help rain and rain's like quiet you just get in the way they go for a big square off uh, it doesn't end well. Rain's hurt. And Deli Saster just says, hey, man, look. He actually says, lol. <laughs> In their translation, lol. lol. Can you, can you stop, stop losing already? <laughs> He's like, I got some bad news for you. We all gave our hearts to Father, so we made us these demon hearts to replace them. They convert magic, hour, and energy that keeps us healed up, so we can't die unless our magical power is exhausted. And thanks to a little dose of Father's blood, we never run out of magic. Which means I'm broken. He actually says it in you're up against an OP boss scrub. But yeah, you get the gist. And Finn, of course, is like, this is crazy. Now we know why the other divine visionaries couldn't make a dent. Like we have to withdraw. He's unbeatable like this. And Rain hears that and is like unbeatable. I don't care. And he stands up. We get a little flashback of a doctor telling a young Rain like, hey, sorry to inform you. And, uh, we don't know exactly what happened there, but it's pretty clear to say that Rain lost their parents there. And little Finn's just like, why aren't dad and mom coming back? Don't they like us anymore? Big brother, I think that neither of us should ever get a different haircut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford any haircut, yeah. so that's irrelevant. 
Uh, so while the fight is happening in real time, we just continue this flashback. Basically, there's clashing of swords happening in the background of this whole little thing. And uh, uh, Rain is thinking, whether we have parents, you know, and uh, one of their relatives being like, "You are you trying to eat us out of house and home? You'd be thankful to have a roof over your head. Little Finn being like, we have to move again. I'll have to make all new friends. And it's like, whether we had food, whether we had a place to live... And you can see that they had shots of them living on the streets, making a cardboard shelter to protect them from the rain. Uh, Finn being like, Rain, why aren't we normal like everyone else? Why are mom and dad gone? Why are we the only ones suffering like this? Whether we're normal, and then we get a flashback of him speaking with Wahlberg, who says, You wish to become a divine visionary to create a world in which orphans are treated equally? You will face fierce backlash from society. Listen, if we can't treat orphans like shit, then what do we even have magic for? Yeah, dude, the magic world blows. <laughs> like, like, there's some dudes just like, well, we gotta give orphans equal rights. This is fucking crazy. Like, I don't know. I don't. Your orphan platform is gonna. It's gonna take some time to go over. You know. Without orphans you can freely abuse, where am I going to get my daily walking child kicking in? <laughs> uh, Finn, or Rain just says, none of that matters. Summon Ares, God of War, and he activates his Bankai, and Deli Saster's like, cool trick, I'll use mine. Athena, God of Combat, activates his Bankai, and they go in a square... And uh, My Hero Academia has a cameo, Gigantomachia, and there's a giant slash. <laughs> and Lan- uh, Rain's uh, spear is cut into pieces. Uh, and he hits the ground. And we just see Delius Esther saying he's shielding his body with magic to prevent any fatal injuries, but there's no way he has the power left to protect himself. Welp, so long, or whatever. And his sword hits the ground, and Deli Saster just says, Stiff number 301. My pole arms are, like, too good at smooshing people. <laughs> uh, and he's like, did I go too hard, though? And Rain interrupts him and says, You talk too damned much. You and I are still fighting. And Ray Finn's like, Rain! And he just keeps remembering this. You're going to face backlash from society. The path of the Divine Visionary is a steep one. Are you determined to see this through, Rain Ames? And Rain just says, I don't crack jokes like you do. But I always do what I say, and I will kill you. And he grabs onto what remains of his Bankai. Yeah, it's cool. Very cool. All right, here we go. Yeah, Black Clover's back, baby! Black, Black Clover, Nick, page 332, final declaration. We get a big two-page color spread showing Aston, yeah. you know. Look at that big triumphant return they're making. I, yeah. like, I like Nick who likes Black Clover. This is like a new fun Nick I like. Look, the shit that we've been reading while Black Clover's been gone... <laughs> Nick, what are you talking about? You don't love aliens area? No. <laughs> you don't love no, I don't. In, in particular, the shit action series that we've gotten while Black Clover's been away. Yeah. 
So we open in the seventh level of the underworld as Lucifero's like, oh, I'm Lucifero, the king of devils. Help oh, me out, bro. Yeah, come on. <laughs> be a bro. Uh, be cool. Be cool. He's like, my magical power was the greatest in the world. And uh, God, I forget this character's fucking name. We're going to call him Zoot Suit because I don't remember it right now. Zoot Suit's like... In this world, we are the ones with the most brilliant magic. We humans. And literally grabs Lucifero's heart. We cut over. And and uh, takes a bite out of it. Yes. It has been a year and three months since the Spade Kingdom War. Uh, I know it's the Wizard King, but there's another name that character goes by now. I forget what Mm, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Because it's also not the Wizard King. Yeah. Right. And there's a big announcement. We will hereby conduct an extraordinary, special, distinguished service ceremony, Asta the Black Bulls. And we see a whole bunch of characters have gathered in honor of Asta, including the sister and all the people from the orphanage he grew up at. Yeah, it's a nice little cameos. You know, all of Asta and, you know, his younger siblings, uh, the the priest who's there, the church and stuff. And it's like, oh, look, they came they came for, uh, for their boy. Yeah. Uh, they announced that they are granting him the title of Senior Magic Knight First Class. It is essentially the highest rank you can achieve until you basically become a captain. So they're like, yes, your achievements must be acknowledged and uh, you are being rewarded by the captain. So you've almost reached that dream of yours. And all the captains are attendants. Who matter? The purple orca one's not there because who gives a shit? <laughs> That's right. Even Dorothy Unsworth and Real got to show up, but fuck that purple orca yeah. guy who doesn't matter. I don't even remember what, what purple orca leader is in control of the guild anymore. Like, It's a mustache dude, isn't it? I thought he was evil. Yeah, it is the mustache. Kaiser. Yeah, that's right. Good times. Good times. Anyway, everyone's there. They're celebrating. Uh, Fuego Leon is there to give us like extra context like oh yeah you know has become actually a grand magic knight like you you should have been granted an equal title but and as is just like ah eh, having you know Aunt rack me is frustrating but we're not at our goal yet so it's okay and real bitches because he's like he broke my record for youngest grand magical knight nobody cares go draw some fucking flowers <laughs> Fuego Leon rules he got so much cooler he was already pretty sweet uh, they're like, so where do you think the Wizard King has gone? They're like, oh, do you think he could be indulging in his hobby of wandering around in disguise? But who knows? Uh, and Asta, yeah, so nobody knows what the fuck happened to him, which yeah. makes fucking sense because all the witnesses to it died. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Asta is just like, hey, Fuego Leon, I already recommended you and Captain Nozel and Lady Mary Leona as candidates for the next Wizard King. And Nozel's like, we all decline. That matter's on hold for now. Uh, fighting the devils made us painfully aware of how little strength we have. Although Mary Leona said it'd just be too much trouble for it, so she probably is not going to do it. So I was like, "Yeah, all right, fair, I suppose." Those would probably be the three most likely candidates mm-hmm. uh, for both the Spade Kingdom and the Heart Kingdom. Recovery is in sight. Uh, peace is gradually coming to the continent, but we can't be careless. Even now, we're detecting devil-like activity in the outlying regions of the Clover Kingdom. You know, other members of the Golden Dawn and other Black Bull members have experience with them, so they've gone to investigate. We see the Black Bull headquarters literally going off to go do that stuff. Uh, We have uh, Yami show up and he's like, hey, thanks for showing up for my boy. And 
great hero Jack the Ripper's like, I'm gonna kill him one day. What the fuck is this guy? What <laughs> is what is his why? What the... <laughs> I'm gonna kill him one day. <laughs> like, oh, he's uh, not even charming when he says he's going to kill people. It's like no. uh Charlotte's there and goes, ka the and just fucking bolts out of the room. Oh man, she's been learning from the master Taiki Inomata yeah. how to do it. <laughs> um yami goes what's this up is, with charlotte this is the best scene in yeah. this in this chapter <laughs> this like, might be the best scene this week <laughs> yeah he's like what's going on with charlotte she's been like that for a year ever since the spade kingdom did i screw up somehow and finral's like what are you talking about after she told you she loved you when you're at death's door you mean nothing's changed between you and he just is like all bubbled to the side it's like i've been meaning to ask you about it i was just too scared yeah he's like hmm, nature's calling gotta poop turns around he's like Wait, Charlotte is a thing for me. And I love <laughs> he is actually taking a shit. He was not lying. He I have to go. I have to go to my thinking place. <laughs> <laughs> he actively was like, I I gotta take a shit while this is happening. But he See, truly was so dense he did not pick up on this. See, this is the important difference between Black Clover and Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man has important internal conversations that happen while other people are taking a shit. Black Clover has the people taking a shit have the important internal conversations. <laughs> this is like affect and affect. This is how you understand. This is the third reference to shit we've had in the manga we've covered this week. And it's not the funniest. I'm sorry, but Hidden Zero was really, really funny. Um. He's like, fuck, that's crazy. Wait, is she just going to be like that? And actually, and I like Finn was like, everyone's leaving. That's <laughs> <laughs> so lot. Are you okay? <laughs> it's a very important shit that he's taking, okay? Uh, Astasis, uh, the sister, and he's like, this is it. Today's the day I'm going to, and we cut over to Noel and Mosa. We're both simultaneously saying, oh, my God, we have feelings for him. This is crazy. This is like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We're really self-conscious since then. Uh, and Sekre walks up and whispers something into both of their ears. And they're like, wait, oh, my God, Asta's confessing his love. Oh, my God, what can that mean? Is it to me? Oh, my God, to whom? And I love Sekre just sits there with a blank expression. It just says, this is entertaining. <laughs> Um, the person he's confessing to is, of course, the sister. He, uh, he does the actual rooftop confession thing. And he says, sister, please marry me. I'm 18 now. This is the last time I'll propose to you. I swear I'll make you happy. Please say yes. And of course, uh, Noel and Mosa are like, oh, my God. What, 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 what? And the sister just says, thank you, Asta. But I'm sorry. You're like family to me. My dashing, cute little brother. I really can't marry you. And asked to sound for a moment. He says, yeah, I knew that, but I just couldn't give up. I do know that people can't always change the way they feel. So please watch over this unchanging vow of mine. He says, I'm going to be the Wizard King. Mm -hmm. And the sister's just Come on, like, Clay, give us the, do it like Asta. Come on. I'm going to become the Wizard King. I'm going to win the Pokemon League. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he puts a uh, moon on his head to make sure he can eat all of his <laughs> dreams. He's like, I don't remember how to hit people with a sword anymore. Uh, the sister just says, Asta, you're truly amazing. I'm sorry I was never able to tell you this, but at this point I can. And she says, I know you'll be able to do it. 
And then who should show up but Zoot Suit, who says, Congratulations, you've arrived. This is your final destination. That's right. I brought the franchise back with my unlimited magical power. Your final destination. <laughs> it's basically, it's a POV final destination mm. movie, which uh, is very awkward because there are multiple deaths in Final Destination, so I had to kill several cameramen is my point. So yeah, The crazy thing is that a couple of them, you won't actually even know what kills you because like a truck will hit you and it comes out of nowhere. So you don't even yeah. see it. You're just it, you're dead. It's crazy. It's weird. It's real avant-garde. Anyway, you can find it on Netflix. There's different. You make different choices. You hit different buttons and you choose the different ways you die. You die in all of them. You die in all of them. To be very clear, you don't escape Final Destination unless it's to die in a sequel. So... Also, I did eat a demon's heart. Uh, just wanted to put that out there. By the way, do you like my enormous sweater dress? Like, it's one long sweater that's a dress. <laughs> it is fabulous. It seems like it might be warm out for it. it. Like, It looks like the environment's kind of hot out right now, but I'm evil. So We're right by the ocean, so it's probably humid as fuck. So I wasn't actually intending to introduce myself here. I was going to go to the restroom first, but someone's been pooping in there for like 35 <laughs> minutes now. I feel like someone should go in and check on them. Like they might just be thinking things out, but it is, it is rude. And I eat a demon's heart as established earlier. So I would know rude. <laughs> but really, Sorry, my name is Phil. Uh... <laughs> Phil Dover. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like this chapter. <laughs> um, I like that we see that Asta has actually matured a little bit. Um, it's nice that it shuts the door on this horrible idea for a ship. Um, and that it just lays out finally where this is just like, Asta, you're like my little brother. Like, <laughs> would I marry you? Um, and uh, we get some, you know, ominous stuff. Uh, I actually do kind of like the way that uh, the uh, romantic reveal that Charlotte had with Yami is handled, where Yami's like, would that happen? <laughs> I just didn't realize it. No one's brought it up since then. Um, it feels honestly appropriate. And uh, yeah, the purple orcas guy wasn't there, which is appropriate. So, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, and we're going to close finally with chapter 1055 of One Piece, The New Era. Uh, people yeah, are... Yeah, yo, yeah, yo. Dreaming, don't give it up. Uh, Rio girl, Goku. No, girl, wait, you give up your dream. You, you give up. Your, your dream is awful, and uh, it depends on the oppression of people. So, um, Momonosuke is leading the fight against Rio Goku and is... is Demanding that Yamato not step in. Yamato, of course, is like, why not? Uh, and Momodosuke is like, just, just, you can't, and gets thrown against the ground. Uh, others try and jump in, like, uh, like, uh, Raizo, uh, and who hits him with a bunch of fire. Uh, and Ryogoku's like, ah! Nah. I'm really strong. Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a wood guy. Yeah, I'm not going to be weak to fire. I've practiced against that. And uh, he immediately like drains the water out of Rizo. So that's cool. Ow. Um, and he's just, you know, throwing people around as they're trying to attack him. 
Uh, every time that they chop through a vine, they just comes back with more vines. We cut away to where uh, to Sukiyaki's secret chamber beneath the palace, and then beneath Sukiyaki's secret chamber. Uh, and so he is going downstairs along with Law and Robin. And uh, so there, there's some weird talk between them, but whatever. I don't really follow it. Sukiyaki says, yeah, I've never told Kaijo or Orochi about the secret route, but because Jack, the lead performer, was a fish man, they discovered the poneglyph in quick order. Uh, and Robin's like, why would being a fish man make that easy? Oh, well, I'll, I'll show you. There's there's a window here. We're underwater, and look. It's Wano at the bottom of the sea. The oh. Wano of 800 years ago. A different Wano. And he says, whatever happened in the past is unclear to me. The fact that this is not seawater probably explains its good preservation. What it means is there was once a Wano with an enormous Fuji mountain. And at some point, great walls grew around the island and it filled up with rainwater. The people had to abandon their flooded towns and instead created new land on the side of the mountain for a new country. And so current Wano, yes, is above a bowl that contains old Wano. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it does make sense with the geography that we knew of Wano to a certain extent. Like, everything like was a waterfall. giant waterfall yeah. you had to climb, so. Yes. Uh, so it's to lore. Why is the world like that? Ooh, ooh. void centuries. Sukiyaki leads them to the road poneglyph. Uh, the third one that uh, that the Straw Hats have discovered, and Robin's like, okay, if we get one more, we can find Laugh Tail. Uh, and <sighs> Sukiyaki says, further down into the earth, where the ancient weapon Pluton is set to rest, I have never seen it myself, and I cannot show it to you. In order to retrieve Pluton, the walls will need to be torn down. So opening the borders means destroying the country's natural defense and unleashing an ancient weapon onto the world. So, yeah, that's a big thing. And Robin's like, well, then why did Odin want to do that if it means all this bad stuff? Uh, and Sukiyaki says, look, I could not tell you what Odin learned in his travels abroad. So, ooh, does this have to do with the One Piece? Oh, so... Uh, Ryo Goku, uh, is talking some big smack while during in his fight, he says like, look, the one thing that was preventing me from coming here was Kaido's presence. Uh, Kaido's rule was a deterrent that kept your enemies away from this land. Now bring me straw hat Luffy. I'll kill him and then I'll be on my way. So Yamato is trying to get Monosuke to agree to, you know, but himself and also the straw hats fight and says, Hey, come on, they can beat this guy. But Monomonosuke says, look, that's not an option. And I'm not going to ask for your help either. 
you have been trapped in Onigashima for all this time. This is your chance to be free. So I'm giving you a proper send off. Luffy, Zoro, the rest. I've had them fighting my battles for me all this time. And we're the ones who have to stay behind in our country. We must be able to drive off any enemy. If we must ask for help from those about to leave, we will never be able to protect Wano. Yamato is leaving, Nick. Yeah. But where would he be leaving to? Interesting. <gasps> well, who else would be leaving that maybe he would like have to join up with or something like that? Uh, Phil. Phil's oh. leaving. Oh, yeah. he's going to be a new Phil. Okay. Yeah. The yeah, new yeah. Phil hat. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Momonosuke once again tries to use a breath weapon, toughs out smoke, ineffective. Yugoku starts to mock him, and Momonosuke is just like, just be gone! And unleashes a giant laser that goes right through Yugoku's chest. Um, which shocks even Momonosuke, of course, because he wasn't really expecting it to work. Um, and as Ryugoku is knocked on his ass and all of the Yakuza and I are freed, they're like, holy shit, you've got dragon power now. Uh, Monosuke keeps on unleashing breath weapons. Uh, although unfortunately he hasn't really mastered aim with it yet. Uh, they observe, but he just keeps on fucking shooting breath weapons at Ryugoku whose body burns up and he has to essentially immediately resurrect himself from a little sprout nearby. Um, and he's like, fine. But you suck, Kaido, so I'm going to kill you. (laughs) But there's this huge crackle of energy that comes out from out in the coast, and he feels Supreme King Haki affecting him, and it it seems to actually hurt him, even. And he realizes, shit, are the red-haired pirates here? Um... And we do indeed cut out to Shanks' ship, and he's apparently just kind of like randomly unleashing hockey. Uh, and uh, he says, look, I'm not accusing you of fighting dirty, but when the new shoots that just pr- changed pirate history are exhausted from their feet, don't you think that what you're doing is a bit much? Are you that afraid of the new era? And... Obviously, there is more to it than just that. You know, Shanks is thinking about uh, his time with Luffy. Uh, he's thinking about memories with uh, with Odin and with Odin's entire family. The fact that this guy means a threat to the children that he got to know and stuff. And so and, he's like, fuck off. And don't forget. Yeah, there's a little uh, the silhouette of a character yeah. coming from the new One Piece movie. Yeah. Um, let's not think about that at all. No. One Piece Red coming soon. So yeah. what was her name? Forget. I don't know. No, something shit like that. I don't care. Anyway. So uh Ryo Goku's like, well, I'm not gonna fight you guys yet, anyway. Fine. And he just runs off. Uh and uh so Momonosuke and Yamato and the others celebrate their victory. And uh, we cut over to the main festival happening in town. A bunch of the straw hats are celebrating with Hiyori and Otoko and everyone. But we see that Shanks, Zoro, Luffy, and Jinbei are all, we're all kind of watching the conflict between Ryo Goku and all the samurai. And uh, they were just kind of like watching everything. And while they're watching all this stuff, they're like, hey, Momo did a pretty good job, huh? And they also, uh, Jinbei comments on, hey, there was some really powerful hockey that was being thrown around, too. What was up with that? 
And Luffy says to himself, it made me think of a familiar face. And that is our chapter. I love that little detail that like basically the super strong members of the Straw Hat Pirates all recognized this was happening, but didn't. Mm-hmm. They were just like, we're going to wait and see what happens. And then they were like, well, we don't need to. It's it's like a cool moment to show that like they're really cool and they're they're proud of their friends. Yeah. I like it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I love Shanks just being cool. Like, I think that's just a supremely awesome moment. Um, this was like a nice little diversion of a couple chapters. And everyone got to look kind of cool at the end of it. So good stuff. Yeah. And Shanks didn't even have to really do anything. He'd show up and was like, you want some? No? All right. I mean, I did am... my thing. Did my thing. Leave it yeah, now. So. I am pretty fucking hyped that we're going to be. I mean, there's nothing left to do except kind of deal with like Shanks, Blackbeard technically buggy yeah. like all that stuff's just going to happen we're just going yeah. to start dealing with that celestial now. dragons and the government being shit and stuff yeah. so like i know we probably have like another five years or so of one piece but like it's, it's exciting shit it's supposed to be three we'll see I, uh, good luck i i wish all the best oda good luck apparently he's been keeping his schedule but we'll see so yeah all right that is going to do it for One Piece and for Weekly Manga Recap. Thanks, guys, for helping us get through all the series and Pokemon and stuff that we had to get through. We're here at the end. Quinn, what was your favorite series this week? And who's your MVP? I think my favorite series is going to be... I think it's Akane Banashi because I really did like the sentiment of the way they shifted it around. And it suddenly became a much more emotional story. I, I, I do sincerely enjoy that. Um, so I'm going to give it to Akane Banashi. I think I'm going to agree. There was no shortage of, of good picks this week. Undead and Luck was good. Chainsaw Man was good. Uh we had, of course, <laughs> Ronda, we're on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, you know, good blue box buildup and, um, you know, cool stuff in Mashal. I even like Black Clover a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and One Piece was good. But yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with you and say that it kind of an Ashi. I, I was hyped to see how a kind of performance was going to start. Uh, it took this very heartfelt direction and I'm I am here for it. Also here for. All the different people who are all coming out and saying, hey, guys, you should read Akane Banashi. It's really good because it's like Oda, uh, the creators of, of of like Evangelion and all these other popular series. Like, hey, this is this series is good. And it is. So, yeah. Hype. Uh, and my favorite uh, character for this week is I'm going to go with Tatiana from Undead Unluck. Uh, I really like uh, the, you know, picky swear thing that she does with Fuko and this idea that, you know, she's happy, even though she knows she's probably going to die now because she's with her friends. So, yeah, it's good stuff. I will give my MVP to Rain. I did like Tatiana a lot. uh, And usually my rule is like, if it got me to cry, I give it the vote, but it didn't get quite there. However, it was still very emotional, but I want to give it to Rain because I think it was a very cool chapter for Rain. Yes. Of course, we uh, have to acknowledge that none of this would have been possible without Kita Batake. So uh, that's uh, that's the real MVP right there. Rest in yeah. peace, King. Yeah. Rest in peace. Guys, that is going to do it. Oh, sorry. What, what was he? <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I want the Black Panther 2 trailer, but it's just a topic guy. He's fucking dead. The, the, the giant poster in the background. Yeah, <laughs> everything going to be all right. 
<laughs> it's just the one you'd be like, oh, it actually wasn't that hard to kill these guys. I just killed two of them once. Never mind. We are going to be all right, everybody. <laughs> the movie's just five minutes long. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So that is kind of two for the mug recap. Sorry, did you announce the audience vote? I okay, the, oh, sorry. Uh, the audience recommendation uh, or the audience picks was Akane Banashi and Tatiana, a mix of us. Oh. Or I guess just you. It was just me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some reason I was like, yeah, Nick gave his. Like, you're just, just, you're just trying to. <laughs> trying to hone in on my thing. Yeah. So, uh, Guys, that's going to do it for Weekly Mug Recap this week. Uh, thank you for sticking with us through this long recording. Uh, the recording and other uh, episodes will be up on weeklymongerecap.poppy.com and on youtube.com slash weeklymongerecap if you want the video version. If you want to know when the live version is going to be streamed, you can check us out on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash T. Nick F Time, WMR Podcast. We'll send an alert saying when it's going live. You can you can also follow our Discord server where an alert will also be sent out. And you can also talk about people uh, as the week is going on and you're waiting for your new fix of weekly manga recap because when the chapters come out, there's discussions. People talk about the recommendation that we take. More on that later and all sorts of other stuff. And also you can use that to find the Google Doc maintained by Ninja X3i, which keeps track of all sorts of statistics associated with the show, including a place where you can uh, look at series that we have previously covered in the long history of the podcast, as well as make your own recommendations for series for us to talk about and cover extensively on an episode of the show. Uh, we also want to thank uh, everyone who supports us on patreon.com slash weekly manga recap, where you can find bonus content associated with the show. Uh, and uh, we want to thank uh, Steve Mann, Tyro Cards, whose work you can find on some of the Tyro Cards on our YouTube channel. And just more stuff wherever boobs are generally allowed to be drawn on the Internet, including on his Twitter, twitter.com slash Steve Mann Art. And uh, we also want to thank Milo Jack Stillitz and Winslow Cheddar for creating the opening sequence, the new by the way, opening yes. sequence of Weekly Manga Recap, updated with uh, new references and uh, and more timely uh, jokes and series and stuff. Uh, and uh, it's great. Thank you guys uh, for your hard work on that. And that should do it. So, Quinn, what series are we going to talk about next? So, Nick, recently... I had a package delivered to your house. I only just put that together that this was what it was going to be. <laughs> Nick, would you like to open that package right now? And you can let everybody know exactly what we're going to be yeah, talking so about. This package. Uh, and you package. don't know. This is not a bit. Nick Do does not, not know. I literally have no idea. When, it, what when you open it and it's full of spiders and then I'm like, actually, you're going to be doing a show. And you're just like spiders everywhere. Clearly see that the package is still sealed. I haven't torn it off. So this is an actual reveal. And I don't know why Quinn has done this. I don't. Yeah, that's could be a good reason. It could be a horrible reason. Oh, you open it. And it's just like Yu-Gi-Oh, Nick. <laughs> so here we go. Oh, no. Nick, could you please show it for the camera? So the people... You done me. <laughs> Dick Fight Island, everybody. <laughs> We're going to Dick Fight Island. Why did you send me this? <laughs> because you can't buy them online in a digital format. I'm very concerned about the expression that this person, that this boy is making. Well, you're going to read it and find out why. 
Goodbye, everyone. Bye.